I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of February 2022, and uh, I guess we're in the midst of our not made in america event month uh, essentially what this is is uh from week to week we'll be reviewing films for quote foreign films being yes. as we are both american uh that have been made into american remakes i know this is a little complicated i'm probably doing a <laughs> shit job of explaining but basically we're reviewing the original version of films quote foreign films that have been adapted to american versions so uh, kyle had the pick last week and uh, we reviewed a uh, Criterion film mm-hmm. from the Criterion Collection. Uh, Michael Haneke's, or Haneke, I, I don't know how to pronounce Austrian yeah, names. Yeah. Uh, Funny Games uh, from 1997. And good fucking God, that movie beats the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you uh, if you have a, a, a blank on t- Sunday evening, like, what movie should we watch? Go with Funny Games. Go with that. <laughs> yeah. make, sure the, make sure the kids are asleep, though. Oh, yeah. No, it's a good casual watch. You know, it's, it's a good Sunday afternoon watch, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, being as that movie just exhausted the shit out of me. Like, yeah. it was it was fantastic. Don't Like, four out of five stars in my book, if not more than that. Um, but in light of that, I decided, you know what this show needs? This show, th- this town needs an enema. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this town needs an enema. So I was like, you know what? I need some dumb... I need some loud. I need some District B thirteen uh, from two thousand and four, directed by Pierre Morel. Um, so basically, this is my response to Kyle's very highbrow pick. It's like, no, I want something loud with some parkour in it that I don't really have to pay much attention to. Yeah, we're we're back to uh, friendship movie waterboarding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you watch it. <laughs> Do you see? Do you see? Um, Do you see the Frenchman jumping off rooftops? Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, District B thirteen from two thousand four. Um, so this threw me off when you chose this because I was thinking that this was I thought District nine. This was related to District nine because of the districts in the title, and it's around the same time. This is two thousand four. District nine came out what two, late aughts, early two thousand tens. I want to say late two thousand something but, like that. Yeah, it was around that time. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm like, that's interesting. I like District nine. It was kind of cool. Uh, and then I started the film, and I'm like, I don't think that this is a, this was a remake. I like, I text him, I'm like, I don't think that this is a, a remake. Did you just choose a foreign film. And you're like, this is the original of a different named American remake. Yes. Uh, so district sometimes called District Thirteen, sometimes called District B Thirteen, uh, otherwise known as Banlieue Thirteen. I don't know how to say numbers in French yeah, other okay. than en Um it, it has no relation to District 9. Um, this movie was remade in the States um, in, in the mid-2010s uh, as Brick Mansions, um, which also features a major cast member from the original French version, as well as uh, Paul Walker mm. in his penultimate uh, film appearance. I was not aware of that. I, for some reason, I thought the, the remake had come out uh, earlier, but no, uh, he only had one film after that, which I guess points to the state of his career towards towards his final days. Oh, um, but 
I have not seen Brick Mansions. I think the RZA is in there. Oh. It came yeah. out in the mid 2010s. Th- that was when he was like really strongly lobbying to be in a lot more movies, and yeah. I don't know that he was really welcome on a mm. lot of those sets. Honestly, he had little moments like he's uh, he pops up in Jim Jarmusch films because he did uh, uh, Thank You for Smoking, where I think him and uh, it's RZA and Jizza that do a scene with Bill Murray. So he ended up kind of hooking up with Jim Jarmusch because he's actually in. Uh, the dead don't die oh really yeah he's got a nice little role in there but uh, he pops up in comedy movies occasionally he's a funny guy uh, i do like him as a comedic presence yeah. as like as like a, a straight man though. yeah like like he has that intensity where it's like i don't know if he's joking <laughs> <laughs> but like if you you want him to play like serious serious like he just he's too he's one of those guys like to me he's like he's too funny by default like he just has charisma that doesn't really worked for me as a serious actor yeah that he had this moment that i again i want to say it was him maybe like forcing his way into hollywood to some extent because he was just popping up in weird places where mm. it's like i know you're part of the, the wu-tang clan i know your name is the rizza and whatnot but you don't have to be in every vaguely martial arts connected production we have like the man with bronze fist he contributed very little to that movie on an aesthetic level is very interesting but beyond that was he a producer on any of these films? I'm sure he was, I, I and that probably helps a lot. Yeah. But um, he was also in G.I. Joe 2 mm. as the blind master, if I remember correctly. And like he was also in Tom Young-Gung 2, which was weird. Hmm. Like He's the final boss in a Tony Jaa movie. Interesting. I even know who Tony Jaa is. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about Tony Jaa because the timeline of this movie, District uh, 13, yeah. lines up very strongly with his career. But the... Think about that, Kyle. The yeah. final challenge is the reason. We, we go from Tony Jaa fighting three like strongmen, one of which is Nathan Jones, the seven foot Australian giant from yeah. uh, Mad Max, yeah, uh, Fury yeah. Road, and any number of movies from the 2000s. He got killed by Brad Pitt in Troy. He's oh the, yeah, he, he's the bald guy that got stabbed by Brad Pitt. <laughs> that, I forget. I, I forgot to put that one on our uh, our uh, movie deaths because I do enjoy that movie death. It, I mean, it's a really awesome anticlimax. Mm-hmm. It's it's the rare awesome anticlimax where it's mm-hmm. kind of like Indiana Jones shooting the the swordsman in Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah. where it's like you know what that was actually cooler than having a big protracted fight because yeah. I've seen the footage of Harrison Ford throwing hands with that guy wasn't great. Plus, like reportedly, I think we said it on the episode, Harrison Ford was apparently in the midst of shitting his pants mm-hmm. while they were filming that scene. <laughs> Harrison Ford. I mean, before we're completely derailed, but to say Harrison Ford kind of just—he seems like a haymaker bar brawler. Like he's just got—he's just a one punch kind of guy. Oh, uh, back in the day uh, when I was writing a blog on the Daily, um, I used to—I found a template for making Magic the Gathering cards, mm-hmm. like like digital ones, um, and I made Harrison Ford's punches and uh, Indiana Jones's punches as as spells you could cast in, in, in Magic the Gathering. I can see that because it has I, a noise. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's the most satisfying punch sound ever. But Harrison Ford does he has the worst form imaginable when throwing his punches. But for some reason, wearing the hat just like sells it. Mm -hmm. But if you have just Harrison Ford and like the Fugitive or Air Force One throwing a punch, it just looks like like an old man doing a Superman impression and just stumbling into people knuckles first and hoping for the best. It seemed like you have that old timey, like 1900s, uh, pugilistic stance. Yeah. (laughs) Knuckles out. Yeah. Fucking Leo in, uh, gangs in New York. I feel like that's, that would be his stance. 
But anyway, the the one point I wanted to make about the Rizza is just we go from Tom Young Gung one where Tony Jaa is fighting three giant dudes, one of which is Nathan Jones, to the Rizza in a martial arts contest with Tony Jaa. It's like no, no, that math that that is a steep decline in the in the quality of your opposition. The stakes have not been risen. <laughs> but anyway, um. As I said, uh, District 13, the movie we're going to be talking about here in a minute, was remade uh, in the form of Brick Mansions, which neither of us has seen and no, neither of us will see. We're not going to, no. no. Uh, <laughs> however, I personally, I know I know for a fact Kyle's not going to, but uh, I actually might watch the sequel to this film, uh, uh, District 13 Ultimatum, which came out several years after the original. Uh, I'm curious about it because it has people involved in it that I appreciate. Um, but anyway, uh, the reason why I selected this film is uh, because, as I said, I wanted something stupid. I mm-hmm. wanted something fast, I wanted something loud, I wanted something dumb. that I really didn't have to think very hard on an analytical level about Check, check, check. <laughs> uh, but more important than that, I was curious about this movie because uh, of the, the space it occupies in the history of action slash martial arts cinema. Mm. Um, because I was talking to Kyle before we started recording... Um, Action and, and horror have some parallels in that oftentimes they move in trends and waves, um, and it manifests in the form of one-upsmanship, where a lot of horror movies move in trends where somebody will set a precedent or kind of pioneer a new subgenre or something, and then there will be a host of imitators, and then amongst those imitators, though, there will be subtle innovations that actually do contribute to the, the horror movement as a whole. Um, and this film just so happens to have come out in the midst of, well, in the wake of kind of the Matrix phenomenon, mm-hmm. where we had Hong Kong-style wire work and martial arts in the form of Yuan Wu Ping's martial arts choreography being integrated into any number of productions, be they, uh, I mean, the Matrix itself, uh, Charlie's Angels, <laughs> um, even the video game adaptation Dead or Alive was directed by Corey Yuan. Uh, who was a prominent Hong Kong filmmaker and choreographer who, who worked with all the greats. Um, but in the wake of all that, all that wire work, all those special effects, all those gimmicks, essentially, uh, you had this like kind of, quote, like counterculture movement in the form of the, the no wires, no gimmicks crew. Mm-hmm. And this kind of came about in the form of Tony Jaa and Ong Bak uh, in the early 2000s. I think it was like 2003 from Thailand. And the whole selling point, or at least in the Western marketing for the film, when it was inevitably imported here, was that this is the dude doing all the things. Like, there's no wire assistance, there's no stunt people, it's just Tony Jaa doing crazy shit. And it, it, it results in a film that is more of like a skate highlight video than an actual movie with a narrative. <laughs> but, you know, if you're into that, cool. Um, so this movie came out in 2004, and um, very similar to Ong Bak and its construction uh, very, very few special effects. Uh, very, basically, no wire assistant. I mean, obviously, they're using crash pads and whatnot, and occasionally there's green screen shots. I do think we have a wire jump with the car. I think that was probably the only one. The slow motion one, like kicking off the car, uh, where a uh, bald guy jumps the car. Like, yeah, maybe he does jump off it, but there was one that looked like he did. There had to have been a wire. I don't think. I, I mean, yeah. yeah, you have two people flying in midair kicking off a car. That's a little dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, beyond that, though, the vast majority of the spectacle of this film manifests in the form of just human human 
actors doing cool shit on camera mm-hmm. uh, not even like stunt doubles just just the performers themselves as you see them doing cool things in front of the camera um and th- we saw a lot of this in in this moment in time in action cinema where it was like a stripping down as opposed to a like i don't know dressing up mm-hmm. where we had the the jason Bourne films where the style of choreography and action was more more brutal more more tooth and nail like Mm -hmm. less gimmicks less gadgets and whatnot and even james bond by the time you get to 2006 and you get daniel craig in a casino royale um the whole like there's even a line of dialogue and a track on the soundtrack that refers to the character as a blunt instrument um because that was the thesis for the presentation of the character in that film um and funny enough that one has a interesting connection to this one in the form of the parkour yeah uh, Free running. free running free running very important distinction yes. because uh the fella uh, i don't remember his name off the top of my head that was in casino royale refers to his art form as free running free running um and it, it has a there's an explosive introductory sequence in casino royale uh, that if you haven't seen your you need to do yourself do yourself a favor and check it out but um the practitioners in this film district 13 uh practice parkour <laughs> which is apparently very different from free running I, I couldn't really tell you the distinction i think it's more of a philosophical thing i i think free running probably puts more emphasis on tricking and and more flourish whereas parkour is more about uh like logistical movement and and more like methodical i guess i actually don't know the distinction but um one of the big selling points for this movie is that uh david bell Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it that way because I'm American, and I'm just I'm going to say it the Benedict Cumberbatch way, the Humperdinck Bandersnatch way. Just da- David Bell. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he's often credited as one of the founders of parkour. Yeah. Um, apparently, like the idea came originated in like World War One or World War Two, and then his father picked it up at some point in like around the Vietnam War, and then apparently he's that family the bell family is is credited as the founder of parkour hmm. um but yeah david, david bell who is not really an actor uh is kind of the headlining star of this movie and as his talents are put on full display is kind of the chief selling point for the film in a lot of ways he's not terrible for athlete actor actually yeah i i've had the same response because if you look into his filmography uh, he's also in brick mansions by the yeah. way the remake but um he doesn't have an expansive filmography mm-hmm. um but yeah actually when it comes to d- line deliveries and emotional intensity there's something there yeah he's fine he's yeah fine. he's actually not half bad and that, that was kind of a surprise i was expecting him to totally suck <laughs> <laughs> well in all fairness he doesn't spend a ton of time on screen like we get him at the beginning he kind of bookends the film like more or less because we do spend quite a bit of time with his partner the cop like to develop his character a little bit which didn't really seem necessary, but yeah, it's this is completely different. <laughs> this is a different kind of movie because <laughs> the story is supposed to be the backseat. Like the, the story is not important. This is action sequences. That's what the point of the movie is. Yeah, no, that, and like I said up front, I, this is certainly not a film that's going to appeal to everyone. I can tell you right now, just looking at Kyle's face, it did absolutely nothing for him. No. Um, as he said, this is friendship movie waterboarding yeah. uh, for him. I, I tend to do this with my picks. I, I pick things just to beat Kyle over the head with them. And <laughs> I let, introduce let him, him to... Know, we like different things! <laughs> I introduce him to excellent films and even like try to 
films I haven't seen, at least, I think there's probably going to be something there for both of us. But no, when he gets the range, he's like, uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. You're gonna hate this. <laughs> you will not enjoy this. It will be over soon. <laughs> nah, bro. I'm not in here with you. You're in here with me. Uh, yeah. yeah. Case in point, uh, one of our earliest reviews, uh, without having reviewed the first film, and we never will review the first film. Uh, Undisputed two. Oh yeah. Um, stars, you, <laughs> starring Scott that. Atkins and Michael Jai White. Oh my gosh. I yeah flush that i don't even remember that yeah kyle doesn't remember that at all he purged it from his memory because he has much more purged. important things to to keep in his brain space but um yeah th- this movie i did pick it because i i was not expecting it to be particularly plot or or theme heavy um but before we get into it i will just point out that uh david bell like i said is our headliner but uh the film is actually directed by pierre morel and uh, i was telling kyle before we started recording that uh you can't throw a punch in French cinema without having Luc Besson uh, involved to some degree. Uh, it's just a rule. Like, like he just has his fingers just like dug into like every facet of action cinema in France. Like, it, it's just impossible to make something without him having some manner of production credit. He did the Fifth Element for crying out loud. So yeah, and and beyond that, he also did the I think it was the Taxi series of films, which was mm. not something that I think made a huge splash over here, but in all of Europe, it was big fucking deal. Okay. Like, and he and of course uh, Lyon the professional yeah like that was a huge one yeah no and his the number of films he actually directs these days Luc Besson Mm -hmm. is very very few yeah but his name it's like it gets confusing actually because like every time I see a movie come out here in the states that has a French director that has like an action flavor to it like there is that that knee-jerk reaction of like thinking is he did he make it it's like it's like no they they use his name like they like uh, they use Guillermo del Toro's name. Yeah, it's like let's just, let's just throw. It. Yeah. And also, like in the early two thousands, Quentin Tarantino, where it's but, just like let's just throw his name on the poster and hope that people are too dumb to read the fine print. I just say you can't trust that Guillermo del Toro on movies necessarily. That's you take that with a grain of salt, folks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> antlers. Yeah. Hey. Hey. hey, hey, let's hey. not say things you can't just, I haven't actually seen it, so I don't know. But um, yeah, Kyle was very much looking forward to Antlers, or Rantlers, as I like to call it. Yeah. Um, but from the tone of his voice, if you couldn't tell. It, it was fine. It, it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Pierre Morel, I don't think of him as, a, as an exceptional director by any means. Very similar to Luc Besson. Uh, his name is attached to a lot of decent productions, but the, the ones that he's actually directed, this was like, I think his first gig, actually. Uh, which when you take that into account not half bad yeah um, but the one that people around the world probably know him best for is taken yeah obviously because that movie basically like gave birth to a new subgenre or at least in its day i call it like geriatric da- fuck yeah <laughs> i call it dad action Ugh. where it's just it's middle-aged men humbling young people around the globe mind you like crossing country like national borders to humble young people <laughs> what's the better call saw guy i can't think of his name but he's got an action movie out he's like well into his 50s and they're like no no no, he's gonna be an action dude now uh yeah i uh, for the life of me i can't remember his name but the movie's called nobody um, and I do own it, obviously. <laughs> and it's a, it a very similar. I mean, it, it's an eighty-seven eleven uh, production, so mm-hmm. you have you know quality stunt people working on the film and quality uh, stunt choreographers, um, but very similar actually to the John Wick films, uh, which they were also key to. Um, it peaks too early. 
mm. where there's uh, they call it's basically the bus sequence is fantastic, and then there's the rest of the movie. Um, but beyond that, you do get to see like friendly Michael Ironside, which I appreciate. Like Michael Ironside is usually he's there to be a grumpy Canadian man with yeah. a questionable hairline, but in this he's a friendly Canadian man with a questionable hairline, and it actually made me happy to see him just be a normal guy. It's kind of off-putting, actually. Yeah, it, it's weird. You're like waiting for him to snap or like yeah. turn out to be the secret turncoat or the secret bad guys, and no, he's just kind of a dick. He's he's not a horrible guy. He's just yeah. <laughs> but um, Taken is the big one for Pierre Morel. Um, from but, Paris with Love and Peppermint were the other two. I'm like, I actually know this film, his filmography better than anything else associated with this film. It was just really? I, I've heard of these movies. Uh, from Paris with Love is a movie that I desperately need to see. Like, I know it's not good, but if you've seen John Travolta on the poster, like he he's got a, a goatee and a bald head, mm-hmm. and he's wielding a, a rocket launcher. Ah, yeah. Um, I don't care what the movie is. I, I need to see that. <laughs> yeah, he's in like a whole other like Steven Seagal type, uh, that part of his career basically, where he's just making a ton of stuff and I have no idea what it is. Yeah, I've seen a lot of it, by yeah, the way. Yeah. I, I keep telling you that that one he did with Morgan Freeman and Brendan Fraser. Oh, is, yeah, yeah. Is, it's like the Broken Rose or something. something. Like something it, it's actually kind of fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I Am Wrath, where he has, of course, a shitty hairpiece. And it has uh, the guy from, uh, was it CSI? The he's the former Marine guy, bald, bald head. Oh, uh, big nostrils. Yeah, funny guy. Yeah, ah, oh, can't think of his name. Anyway, he was good. In it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I am, I am wrath, and like the broken rose or whatever. Those weren't half bad. Speed kills, um, questionable poster art, uh, decent little like, I don't know, heist. Not not a heist movie. It's like it's like the most boring parts of a of a gangster movie you can imagine so imagine the wig salesman from goodfellas maury or whatever Mm -hmm. imagine the whole movie is about him it's awful and instead of wigs it's speedboats that's that movie (laughs) (laughs) i'm okay um but yeah from paris with love i know it's bad but just based on that poster i i just need to see it and uh the gunman i actually own uh, with Sean Penn. I was curious about that because Sean Penn as an action player is not something we've gotten very much of in cinema. He doesn't really do much for me. Well, he's he's a weird guy because he's so goddamn intense and he's such a terrible interview. And he's <laughs> such a he's just such a fucking scary dude. That, like, when he shows up for projects, I'm, I'm always curious because he, he's a very good actor. It's just like he doesn't... He's weirdly choosy about what he picks and then out of nowhere he does shit like this like a french directed taken ripoff hmm. um and then of course he had like a stretch of his youth where he was boxing and whatnot so and he has decent form i've seen him throw hands on a heavy bag he knows what he's doing so i was always curious like if he could be the action guy and turns out he kind of can and he is like scarily jacked in the in the gunman hmm. like weirdly it's like what the fuck it's, it's like a, a supernova or a james spader is like bizarrely jacked in that movie and it's like the one it's like the five minutes of his entire lifetime where he had abs yeah it's like for what for one of the worst fucking movies (laughs) there's ever a dude that did not need to have a hot bod it's james spader oh no it it detracts from his charms he needs to be a little doughy because it makes you hate him more (laughs) yeah like in the 80s when he was like super skinny just a just a string bean yeah 
Yeah, no, it, it, it doesn't add up. It, it's no. a weird look for him. Supernova is a future episode, by the way, because yes. that movie has a troubled production history, and I always love that, and mm. it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's about it for Pierre Morel. But the other element I need to talk about is a Cyril Raffaelli. Um, I'm probably totally butchering the pronunciation. Uh, it's funny because his name sounds so goddamn Italian, but he is apparently very French. Um, he is an actual... Unlike David Bell, who has not had a distinguished film career, Cyril Raffaelli uh, is he's a big name in a, it, in stunt cinema. Is that the bald guy? Yes. Oh, the cop. okay. Okay. Um, he is he's been he's been paired up with the who's who of action cinema. I mean, I'm just gonna glance at his filmography. I'm not gonna read everything, but Double Team, Jean Claude Van Damme. Uh, so another oh, a Belgian, not a Frenchman. He was in Ronin. Uh, he was in one of the Taxi movies, which, as I said, is a Luc Besson franchise. Um, Brotherhood of the Wolf was kind of the follow-up to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where it's like it's a it's a weird, uh, very very foreign movie that has martial arts, and the the Weinstein's think they can sell it to international audiences. Didn't quite work out as well as Crouching Tiger, but you know whatever. Kiss of the Dragon got to got to fight Jet Li. I've actually uh, seen that. It's a good one, actually. As far as uh, Jet Li's Western fare goes, like his English-speaking roles, that's one of the better ones. Hmm. Uh, Chucky Cario uh, is fantastic in that. He He's, usually is. He's so good. Yeah, he usually like, is. Um, the, the Patriot, folks. Look, yeah. look at him. Yeah, the French guy from the Patriot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, he's, he's a wonderful screen presence, and he is delightfully evil in Kiss of the Dragon. But yes, Cyril Raffaele got to fight Jet Li. That's not something everybody gets to say. Wasabi, uh, a Jean Reno film that I happen to really really like it's a lot of fun uh, i don't know if you've seen that one no. um but the list goes on and on he's also worked with jason statham in the form of the transporter um and uh bruce willis and live free or die hard he got to be one of the chief heavies in that movie hmm. um, he's referred to as a damn hamster by bruce willis at one point because he's doing parkour all over the place and like slipping into vents while he's trying to shoot him he's like goddamn hamster <laughs> it's actually kind of cool. he has in a PG-13 diehard, something that, that hurts me to just verbalize, to say, yeah. um, he has the most satisfying death in the movie. He, he gets dropped into a cooling fan, and oh. yeah, he gets Raiders of the Lost ark Gotcha. It's pretty cool. <laughs> but, but yeah, Cyril Raffaele, um, I think he was also, uh, I can't confirm, but it, he has a distinct head shape. Mm-hmm. Actually, like folks, you haven't seen Kyle, but his head shape is actually kind of similar to yeah. Kyle's. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, uh, his silhouette is similar to Kyle's. Not he's got like an Owen Wilson nose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he looks exceedingly French, but the back of his head is it, it's like kind of narrow. It's like pill shaped or yeah. something. But uh, I think he was uh, Tim Roth's stunt double in The Incredible Hulk. So they're about the same height. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they're both very tiny. Yeah. Um, but um, that film was directed by uh, Louis Leterrier, uh, who is also a protege of Luc Besson. Uh, so it would not surprise me that, you know, he was on loan from the Luc Besson studio or something. Listeners, I hope you had your notepad out and took all this down because there will be a quiz later. <laughs> <laughs> this has been uh, Action in the 2000s from Trevor. <laughs> well, this is Action 2000s 101. Well, see, part of the reason I'm front-loading this, Kyle, is because... There's the, nothing else to talk <laughs> the, about. The actual conversation. I'm about to close the laptop, folks. I'm about to explain the plot, and me explaining the plot is longer than the film itself. Okay, so uh, Kyle's back to his normal duties of exp- giving us the plot rundown for District B-13. Uh, care, to, care to have a go, Kyle? Yeah, so get out your pens and papers, because you're going to have to write this down. 
So as I said, plot summary is actually more complex than the movie itself. So we have this district in France in the year 2010, which this was only like six years away from yeah. when the film was made, um, that has been closed off because it, there's so, such a high crime rate and drug use that they're just like, we're going to wall this all off and these people are just going to stay in there. They can't get out. You, no one can get in kind of deal. Um, and I guess it's about to crumble even more. It's been taken over by gangsters. And this parkour guy rips off a drug dealer. Uh, he gets his sister taken by the drug dealer and gets thrown into prison for six months. The drug dealer steals a bomb. A cop is going to defuse the bomb because they have 24 hours to defuse the bomb because the drug dealer accidentally sets it off. They have to break the parkour guy out of prison so that he can get to the drug dealer with him because he knows the city really well and they're going to defuse the bomb and save his sister. And there's Mary Mishaps. I mean, you basically covered every beat. That, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to describe. The, yeah, that that's what happens. Yeah, so. I don't know what it is about uh, European-centric uh, action cinema, but there does seem to be a lot of like ghetto imagery, um, a lot of walled-off cities, a lot of cordoned-off cities. There's a lot of uh, classism present. Um, and this may just point towards trends in European history. Um, because obviously they they've had things like that play out numerous times over the past several millennia. I could probably count on one hand how many French films I've seen, and they're all very niche. It's all very direct. Like it's not like a a general kind of thing. It's like just different time periods and very very um, narrow storylines. So I don't really have a lot of uh, familiarity with French cinema. Well, it it could I couldn't help but think of what was it? Uh, the, I think it was a Scottish film, uh, Apocalypse, um, that we we reviewed at one point, or Doomsday, 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 yeah, the Doomsday. other word for yeah. Apocalypse, yeah. <laughs> Doomsday, <laughs> the, the Rona Mitra movie, yeah, yeah, uh, it made me think of that, where it's like we have yeah. was it Scotland uh, walled off from the rest of Europe because of apparent uh, like a contagion of some sort, mm-hmm. and this we have like a, a forced ghetto situation where like socioeconomic pressures have resulted in uh, basically an escape from New York scenario. And I, I want to say that the title they had to have known that it draws some parallels to the works of John Carpenter in the form of Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. and then even uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, mm-hmm. like you know. thematically it has nothing to do with that movie but the title is kind of similar well this is a movie where you're trying to showcase parkour so you need uh you need a story where the person has to break in or out of something as the main thing which makes sense for this kind of setup yeah it's more about um movements and and escape and subterfuge rather than like direct just violence like a head-on assault or anything like that and i don't know where this came from but you see it manifest in video games in particular parkour is the chief tool for fighting the man kyle Mm -hmm. like i don't know how this came about but it's like you you need your bandana you need your hoodie but you also need to know how to like look like naruto when you're jumping from rooftops because that's the only that is the only safe way to stick one of those landings kyle if you don't have your arms up like a jackass you will go splat there was actually uh, quite a bit of landing on our feet which is not something that i've associated with parkour especially from some of the distances that are dropping i'm like your knees are gonna be fucking shot yeah tuck and roll tuck it's and tuck roll. and roll there's a few, <laughs> there's a few tuck and rolls but not enough tuck and rolls yeah it, it is jarring like like maybe that's a, a tenant of parkour 
I think it's well, tuck and roll, yeah, because you you have to stop your momentum. You don't want a dead stop where your knees are basically stopping you, because then you're just going to be a fucking fifty year old NBA player where you're just like, I can't stand up very quickly. Yeah, you're going to have Hulk Hogan knees where it's yeah. just like every time you move, it sounds like trash bags full of glass. Yeah, uh, you, you, <laughs> there's no cartilage left. So no, it makes sense for like free running and parkour that. If you're jumping from a large distance or you your momentum's taking you, it's like, yeah, you need to slow down another way and let the rest of your body absorb. The, and like, let's your, let the rest of your body absorb it instead of just your your knees taking it. Yeah, and uh, before we get into the movie proper, like I said, this episode is going to be real front-loaded. <laughs> this, this, this will move. Um, so we're getting it out of the way now. Uh, one thing I wanted to address was that Kyle had told me uh, before we started recording that he was a little bit disappointed. Yeah, because uh, once I figured out what the movie was going to be, so the movie's front-loaded with uh, probably the best part of the movie is him getting out of this apartment complex, uh, which was, like, super cool. And then it clicked when I was watching, like, oh, this is a parkour movie because this is the the time that it was starting to get big uh, in the U.S. was around this time. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be a movie about parkour, and they're going to be doing it throughout the film. Like, this this will be kind of interesting to see them showcase this because the guy, I mean... The guy who kind of came up with helped develop it is the star, and it is him doing all the stunts in this. Like, I'd say 99% of them, at least. There was one or two, I think maybe in the car, there might have been somebody else, but that's no big deal. So I'm like, okay, we're going to showcase this thing, we're going to have a lot of cool stuff, but that's kind of it. We don't get a lot of parkouring. Like, we, we get a, a nice focused uh, portion in the beginning, and then it's kind of sprinkled out uh, on in the ending sequence, but it, not too much, really. Yeah, uh, the reason I wanted to address this now is because I, I unfortunately do agree. Um, but part of part of that, I want to say, comes from A, first-time director, mm-hmm. and B, 2004. Um, so what I'm getting at there is uh, camera technology. Um, mobile, like, portable camera technology has come quite a long ah, way since yeah. 2004. So being able to keep up with the performers from shot to shot doing like absurdly complex tracking shots yeah i don't think they were i don't think the logistics were there to to frame the action in the most satisfying way because there's a lot of cuts where if you were to shoot the same concept today it would be 70 percent parkour yeah and the camera operator would be like right, right up there their ass yeah. like do they would have a parkour person following the performer to showcase the action like you would see in like i said like a ongbok like a skate video basically like yeah. really highlight the action because that's all we fucking got yeah but in in 2004 and with a first time director probably on a low budget i don't imagine they had the capability of filming the action in the most satisfying way are you ready to jump into the movie proper yeah, let's fucking do it. <laughs> so this is actually confusing. I never pay attention to the production logos. Uh, I know that you usually keep tabs just to see like how many like how many different studios might have been involved in this. But this was strange. So you get like one, maybe two, and then you get 2010 Paris. It's all been walled off. We're not we're not letting people enter out of this thing. But then after that, you get another. It, it goes into another production logo, which I thought was strange. Yeah, uh, it's kind of cute, actually. There's a, a podcast that both Kyle and I listen to that always likes to remark on instances where the production logo is altered or, mm-hmm. or integrated into the film proper, and they kind of lo- do that here. Yeah, I like it when they do that, though. They, yeah. yeah. It's cute, yeah. because it's unexpected, um, and if you're going to open with a title crawl, that's a really good way to put your audience to sleep. Batman. <laughs> I like. I got. I get actively excited when I watch the Schumacher Batman, because they do the Warner Brothers logo with, with whatever... Um, 
villain is there. Like it goes green, I think, in Batman Forever, and then it goes freezy and like turns into the Batman logo in uh, Batman and Robin. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Nolan kind of kept up with that by having no no Cold front open, credits. Yeah. He he's he is not a fan of having credits. You get the title of the movie at the end of the movie. I mean, I still remember <laughs> watching the Joker. Or not the Joker. The uh, dark is it the Dark Knight? Yeah, yeah. Where it's just boom. We're just starting with the starting it, with the, it's a. It's the bat logo coming through the blue flames, mm-hmm. and then uh, begins with the brown swarm of bats, and then rise, Dark Knight Rises was the the icy bat logo. Um, so it, even from a color standpoint, it really fits the color the color palette. Yeah. yeah, so brown, blue, white, white, yeah. whitish gray. Yeah, whitish gray. Yeah, we're kind of fuck. We're kind of fudging the theme there by the yeah. end, but whatever. But I'm going to totally derail this, Kyle, because this has to this has to be said. On some internet platform somewhere, because goddammit, I've been like vibrating in my seat trying to get these thoughts out to whoever can fucking stomach them. Batman! The Batman! Are you hyped? Oh yeah. Three okay. hours, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I'm a hype for it. Okay. I'm not watching any more trailers. Stop putting out fucking trailers. Yeah, You're gonna put I, out seven more fucking trailers. Stop I haven't the trailers. Watched, I haven't watched the most recent one. Don't, I don't need it. Not doing I, it. I, I watched the first one. And the first, like, full-length one, I'm like, that's all I needed. No, I, I don't really want to know what it is or what it's about because I'm, I'm painting a picture in my head. It's probably going to ruin it for me because I'm going to get married to that picture that's in my head. And it's not going to be that. And I'm going to have a little freak out in the theater. It's going to be three hours of me be like, no, 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 <laughs> it's wrong. <laughs> but I'm curious what they're going to do because I have a theory that Batman's going to be a bit of a fuck-up in this one. Mm. Or at least I hope he's going to be a bit of a fuck-up, because we've seen Robert Pattinson be a fuck-up in recent years, and yeah. he's exceedingly good at it. He's good at it. Like, good time. He was a good fuck-up. Yeah. I haven't seen The Lighthouse, but some of those images mm. of him, he looks kind of squirrely. He that looks kind of uncertain. That is a cinematic experience, I'll tell you. Yeah, I'm, I do need to watch that. But I'm curious if we're going to go young Batman, who's kind of a fuck-up, he's kind of a stumble-fuck, and mm-hmm. Alfred's going to be like, you're fucking it up, son. Yeah. The, the Wayneses, the Wayneses, they're unhappy with this. I, one thing I do want to say before we... Two things about that before we, we jump in. Uh, Paul Dano, they are burying him. They are not showing you any Paul Dano. That's the other thing I oh. want to get. That's the other thing I need to address, Kyle, because you, you don't read the... You've read some Batman comics. Mm-hmm. You would have read more if I had given them to you. <laughs> <laughs> but we stopped working together around yeah. the time that that would have been a good time to do it. So Kyle has... He's not as up on his Batman comics as I am. But I am... I don't think this is a Riddler movie. It's not. I don't think so. Are we bare? Like we're not even going to have a minute? No, I think I think it's someone else. So it's going to be like Batman Begins, where we're going to bury, where we just put the Joker in like the last little thing. Well, like Batman Begins had a thing where they were like sneaking villains in there, mm-hmm. where it's like Victor Zaz. He's there. He yeah. doesn't do anything. He gets punched. Cool. Uh, we have the Scarecrow. He's he's here. He's he's a, he's an associate. He's an under. He's a like an underboss of Ra's al Ghul. But mm-hmm. but I think, and this is me reaching. Um, the the costume design is all we've had to see because you're right he hasn't been in much of the marketing and Paul Dano is an exceedingly talented actor love Paul Dano he's fantastic love him um, the character design looks a lot to me like Hush uh, who was a very very popular not character but story arc um, in the comics in the early 2000s and his character design makes is evocative of Hush okay and then also uh, the Court of Owls. Is another story arc from the New Fifty Two era of the comics um, that I'd be I'd be very curious how big they're going to go with this story because if you want to make like a grand conspiracy or something because a lot of the marketing for this movie that I have seen 
has to do with like truth seeking mm-hmm. as in like uncovering a conspiracy of some sort Always fun. And, the, and the reason why the court of owls was cool was one the court of owls is cool and the talons are a really cool concept but beyond that it's like the idea of that story was there's a shit ton about gotham and its history that batman even batman doesn't know oh okay um so it's like he's a stranger in his own city so i i'm curious if they're going to do that where it's like the riddler is he's put in front of the marketing but it's like we're not actually i don't think that's what we're here for because personally i don't think the riddlers ever really put asses in seats if no. it's not jim carrey just well i that was a different reason why the riddler put asses in seats it was jim carrey putting asses in yeah, seats it, not it's, the riddler it's jim carrey as the riddler yeah. it's not the riddler it, it's not the character it's the actor um no i was gonna say uh they're burying paul dano they're not giving us like any shots of him so i do think he will be in the film but yeah, he might not be a huge presence, um, which is okay. It's fine. Maybe it might be like a, a a mega sad ending where it's like evil prevails and they're setting him up for the next film. I am excited about uh, Colin Farrell as the Penguin. I'm actually super excited because I do like Colin Farrell. Yeah, I, I mean, it's my brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing that the Batman franchise, ever since I think uh, since it started in the '80s uh, when it really kicked off. They have knocked the Alfred out of the park every fucking time they've casted him. There's not a single bad Alfred, in my opinion. That's a good observation. You're absolutely right. I'm like, uh, what, uh, fucking uh, Gollum. Uh, Andy Zirkus is the is. I'm like, okay, perfect. They have yet to disappoint me with the casting. No, that's that's a very solid choice, and I think putting him next to Robert Pattinson reinforces my idea of being the humbling presence. Mm-hmm. He is a robust individual, mm-hmm. like, and he's still quite vital. Like, like he's not—he's not like Michael Caine, where you blow on him, he starts crying. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I—I I, I think I'm onto something there. I'm probably totally wrong, but I—I I needed to—I needed to put this out there for somebody who might hear it. Regardless, <laughs> you have my money. I will be there. Yeah, opening me, weekend. me too. And and the girlfriend's on board as well. She actually had very strong objections to Robert Pattinson. Mm-mm. Nope. I, I do not agree with that. <laughs> I, I convinced her, though. I convinced her. She's now on board, but initially she was like, oh. <laughs> if, you, if you were into him for Twilight, or you only know him as the Twilight guy, you are wrong. He has a whole bunch of other movies that you should be watching. Absolutely. Yeah. 100% agree. So let's talk about the <laughs> shitty French movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. You'll thank us later. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Uh, we have our production logos, as we said, and the... Uh, the crawl and the front credits of the film are integrated into the production logos, yeah. which which was very cute. And and I will say the this opening montage here, where we get to see the state of District Thirteen, Not is bad. actually yeah. from a filmmaking standpoint, it's shot and edited quite well. But the, it is shot and edited quite well. But this is two thousand four on the nose with the fat. It's it was hard to look at. I'm like the fashion in this movie. It is so dated like it's insane yeah everybody's wearing garbage bag pants and and, like big poofy hoodies i was expecting some christina aguilera like backup dancers to show up at some point in fact lola pretty much looks like one when we see her earlier in the film yeah uh, from an aesthetic standpoint this is very much a product of its time and it hurts it's yeah it's awful even the the cars i was gonna say the cars the clothing we have chokers we've got a dude has a spike bracelet 
The baggy clothes, all of it. It's it's so bad. Yeah, lime lime green Subaru, oh, <laughs> like oof. souped up Subarus. Oh, <laughs> uh, we've got uh, uh, wife beaters, uh, black wife beaters. No sleeves. No, sleeve. no sleeves. No for sleeves for anybody. <laughs> no sleeves in this movie. Um, we got extra pockets on our pants. We got cargo pants. We got oh, no yeah, bag. Pockets. The fucking skateboarding shoes. It's we basically all... look like Hardy Boys. Only thing that's missing. <laughs> thank God they did not put any like. Uh, like contemporary like band music it's mostly just like action techno I, I call it action techno where it's just like an energy we're just giving yeah. you an energy to the scene yeah yeah no, but... no songs from that decade thank fuck god, god. <laughs> i mean yeah. we do get like in a, a really aggro french hip-hop song at the end we do that's the only thing that we do get which is fine i'm fine with that yeah i mean if, as long as it's over the credits but yeah thankfully we don't get that over the action that would be really distracting we could have easily gotten uh saliva's click click boom i mean this is click click boom the movie like if you like for action sequences yeah, yeah one thing i i i I'm sorry to keep derailing us, but I absolutely need to point to this because it, it really occurred to me when I was watching it was um, the Fast and the Furious franchise. Mm. This movie borrows quite a bit from. Yes, this this was harvested from the from the blood, sweat, and tears of that film. This yes. is the French low-budget take on that where it's like, we can't afford all the cars, yes. so, but we have people who can go, go. jump off rooftops. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so instead yeah. of cars, you get people doing stunts off of rooftops and whatnot. Yeah. And even the central plot. Of Car, bad boy, sister. Yeah. No sleeves. No sleeves. Uh, cop and bad guy. Bad boy, rather, with a heart of gold. We have the F-bomb and the N-bomb in here. Hard on the N-bomb, too. Yeah, Whoa. we get both. Yeah, uh, we get both. I don't know if that's a product of like 2004 subtitling or if that's actually in the original French. I do. I have known French people over the years. They, mm. they do have potty mouths. Lahain, <laughs> Lahain. I'm not sure how you say it. Uh, that's one of the French movies I have seen, and that is actually about class and cult, like uh, class, race, and culture. At the time. It's an ongoing theme in French culture and French, by extension, French cinema. They they have. Issues. Some issues, like, yeah. they, hey. they say a lot of the things that we think over here. <laughs> yeah, we don't think, but people yeah, over not, here. Not Kyle and I <laughs> specifically, clear. but America as yes, a concept. Yes, <laughs> yes. But yeah, we get this montage showing that uh, District 13 is a shithole. Oh, it's slums, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we got some people doing some Rocky Balboa take you back, uh, singing around a fire barrel. You gotta have a fire barrel if it's a slum. We've got people <laughs> smoking stuff, people injecting stuff, people nodding off, people... Uh, amped up. We have people sleeping in hallways, people just hanging out in hallways. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and it's 2004, so we have to have some very clever uh, transition work. Where uh, Actually, that is one thing I will give this movie a lot of credit for. Is, um, some of the edits are very cute mm-hmm. and clever, mm-hmm. where they do a lot of unconventional things that you would normally think of as being audacious and too loud, where it's like a wipe edit? Like, what is this, fucking Star Wars? What are we doing here? But they do shit like that, and they get away with it because the movie is so irreverent and and just kind of over the top. And we do things like have camera transitions and edits uh, where, like, the camera will will plunge down a vent, Mm -hmm. and then we'll cut to, like, a a very brief CGI animation, like, of the camera zooming down the vent into the next room and stuff. And it's all, like, the grimy image quality helps, and just the overall grimy aesthetic of the movie helps to conceal some of the questionable effects work and whatnot. But stuff that, from a storyboarding standpoint, it shows a lot of care. Mm-hmm. Like it shows that somebody gave a shit and was trying to put their stamp on it. And, you know, first-time director, you may as well go for broke. 
It always reminds me. You always remind me of when you say that the uh, the bug guys from Silence of the Lambs when they when they take open the moth. He's just like somebody cared for him. Somebody loved him. <laughs> <laughs> the guy with the wally eye. You mean? Yeah, the, yeah the, the wonky eye guy and the other guy. Um. So yeah. So I wanted to ask you about this. So there's uh some goons. So we're, we're we have an apartment complex and it seems like it's guarded. And um, we get our first scene with the the big fat guy, the big tall fat guy. Kedu. 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 Uh, he's got K2 uh, buzzed into the back of his head, and he's just a big old he's just a big old goon. But these these two guys sitting down there with guns and chokers on, uh, cooking sausages over a fire. Yeah. And there's also the, that scene. I think it was played more for laughs than snatch. But the guy's cooking sausages. He's like, "How long on those sausages?" He's like, two minutes." He's like, "Okay." Hey, how long on those sausages? <laughs> Five minutes. He's like, "You just said." <laughs> But I wanted to ask you if this is a thing where it's like the guy's cooking sausages. Uh, is this supposed to show that it's just like this is a rundown area and these guys are just like cooking some sausages, or is this supposed to signify like just kind of primal? Like this is just like people are just kind of running on like it's the cooking just meat over a fire. Is kind of you think like like Neanderthal, just kind of like caveman kind of thing where we're just we're not civilized. This is just kind of the wild do you think that was kind of like a, a little motif there or is it just we're just cooking sausages over fire like they weren't putting any thought behind it yeah i, I don't know i mean it, it's a useful little prop mm-hmm. um just to like work through the scene and whatnot so it gives the actors something to to play with but i don't know it could be pointing towards something like like uncivilized like this is where we're at now like cooking on a shitty little barbecue thing like yeah. like spicy sausages out yeah. in the open air in the middle of the fucking day before you've even had your coffee <laughs> i watched this and i had sausages in the freezer i had sausages this morning because of this scene because i'm like these sausages look good yeah and and to to the film's credit i actually quite like this scene because it has legitimate tension to it yeah. in the form of the really big scary guy being like weirdly chummy mm-hmm. and so completely unafraid of the two people brandishing shotguns yeah, shock, I think a shotgun and a machine gun. Well, there are machine guns later, but yeah, should, yeah. But it's two guys holding point blank, yeah. point blank, yeah. holding guns to his face, and he's just like he's in control. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he has no fear whatsoever. Yeah. yeah, he he approaches these dudes. He's like, "Hey, I need to see your boss." And like, "Yeah, it's not gonna happen right now." And like, "I think it's gonna happen." He takes one of their sausages and just like takes a <laughs> bite out of it, and he offers it to the guy in the car. He's like, "No," nah, and then he just tosses it. Um, but he ends up getting the drop on these guys anyway. Yes, uh, he buddies up to them. Like this scene plays out over a couple of minutes, and uh, like all credit to the actor that portrayed Kedu. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he he has something to him. He He's has a presence. charm to yeah. him. Um, he unfortunately passed away uh, a few years ago, as far mm-hmm. as I understand. But like I looked up his his last film credit, and it was a it was a Michael Madsen film, a, dir- oh. a direct-to-video Michael Madsen film. So he didn't he didn't really stick the landing there at the end of his career. But I do think he actually was a pretty talented actor just based on this. But um, yes, he does end up uh, ingratiating himself to to the guards, and then he Steven Seagal is one of them, mm-hmm. um, and just like fucking boots the other ones square in the sternum and. Uh, this movie, like, say what you will about the quality of the choreography and, and the shots of the stunt work and whatnot. Like I said, the, the camera movement is not where is not up to standards of today. Mm. Um, but one thing you absolutely cannot take away from this movie is the bumps these people take. Mm. Good fucking God. So many people died making <laughs> many, many, many many Bothans. Yeah, many, many Bothans, Bothans died to make District 13. <laughs> uh, 
And then we get our uh, our fella, who I call uh, French Josh Radner, or French Ted from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, French Ted Mosby, yeah. if you've seen How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, Jed Mosley. Um, this is actually <laughs> Jed Mosley. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so he's got spiky Ray Park hair, and uh, he's got no shirt on, and he's just dumping a huge amount of drugs down the... Uh, down the uh the tub um but then these goons start making their way into the apartment complex and we have a couple of other goons like hey people are coming up the elevator and they're like trying to radio down to the two guys cooking sausages and like it's not happening the one guy is watching a soap opera he's like i don't have time for this right now i don't care if this place is getting overtaken i have to know what happens i thought that was very cute yeah like that actually kind of made me laugh because he's supposed to be guarding the building you have one fucking job dude It's daytime television. You will live without it. Well, he he's working from the assumption that it's not going to be rebroadcast. If he misses a chapter, he'll never know. I remember burning ants with a magnifying glass when I would stay with my grandmother's in the daytime like this, like on a, on a school day, because she would watch like The Young and the Restless in the background. I'm like, I have to go do anything else. Like, this is <laughs> Think, agony. Things have to die. So, something has to die. Uh, <laughs> I was a troubled youth. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, they start making their way up there, but then he ends up just, like, pouring, like, Drano or some kind of chemical all over the drugs. But apparently this is a, a big old thing of heroin, and it looks like a lot of heroin. Oh, it, it, yeah, it's a big old suitcase full of drugs. This is kill your bloodline if you lose this heroin. Oh, heroin. It, yeah, yeah, and even more than that, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, a whole country has to die for this, but in the midst of doing that, uh, we, we're cutting back and forth, so we're building tension around, like, is he going to get it done in time? It's like... Just, it doesn't matter. Just leave the water running and yeah. leave. You'll yeah. be fine. Be, yeah. <laughs> like you don't you don't have to go to such lengths to eliminate the drugs. It's not that hard. But, but uh, there, K two K two goes up the elevator while his goon squad take the stairs, and uh, he announces his presence by uh, shooting a CGI bullet through the elevator door glass mm-hmm. in directly into somebody's face. Uh, so the guards uh, outside of Leto is the character's name, by the way. Uh, David Bell's character. So French Ted Mosley. Uh, Jed Mosley, yeah. <laughs> Jed Mosley. Jed Mosley. <laughs> um, so his guards are, are dead. Um, and barely ten minutes into the movie, uh, we get our first parkour sequence. Parkour. And, and you it's know, good. That's the right time to kick in with the parkour because it's like we're on the verge of losing me. But it's like, oh, now he's doing stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's legitimately thrilling. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's well constructed. We get to truly see a good exhibition of what David Bell is capable of from a physical standpoint. Some of the creativity on display of him navigating the hallways and like sliding through narrow passages is legitimately pretty fucking cool. I love contemporary parkour uh, videos. If you'll catch them just online, they'll just, they'll just like come into your social media feed. Uh, and I love people wiping out doing parkour <laughs> videos because they are as good as jackass movies because people will fuck themselves up doing this stuff. It's quite a bit of fun, but it's also really impressive to see. And like you can just feel your balls go into your stomach when you see like some people almost. There's one video in particular where a dude is running across and he falls, and the only thing that saves him was there just happened to be a cable wire right there that he he latched onto. So I'm like, oh, oh. My heart. <laughs> so good. On, I'm glad these guys came up with this because it has definitely helped juice up the internet just a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this was kind of like the launch pad, uh, at least in the West, anyway. Yeah. Like in in the U.S. anyway, because in in Europe, apparently this this thing had been a thing since the late '80s. 
Um, probably not as popular as it was by the time we got to the mid-2000s, but this movie really was a very strong showcase for the art form yeah. uh, by the time it got here. Not that the movie is very popular over here, but yeah. but it, its reputation was known to me since since it came out. I just hadn't got around to watching it until now. But there's a couple of cool gags here. Uh, we get to see uh, one of the goon squad uh, take a plunge into a car down below at the at the base of the building. It's a pretty good fall. Uh, like I said, the bumps in this movie are nasty. Like some of the falls these people take and some of the tables that they get put through. <laughs> Jim Ross would be proud. <laughs> like, I mean, he'd be having three heart attacks uh, watching it all. But JR, no. he's dead! <laughs> JR! <laughs> yeah, no, it was like, my, my God! He's got my witness, he's broken in half! Stop the, the damn match! The Rock's got a chair! Yeah. Oh my God, what would Jim Ross sound like in French? <laughs> I need to hear that now. I don't know if... if, if... WWF was uh, if that translated well to French. I don't, yeah, I don't know what that would sound like. I mean, they have a French broadcast team. I I, occasionally, they cut to them during pay per views and whatnot. I'll, I I'll have to see if somebody's dubbed Jim Ross in it's French. Like French people aren't really jacked unless they're talking about politics, because that's the only showcase I've seen. Is uh, they just get jacked up about politics? Well, yeah, and I'd imagine like like dubbing any any movie in French you'd have to like leave in the drags on the cigarette it's like hang on what, Indiana Jones isn't smoking <laughs> so the Undertaker is uh, going off the top rope oh oh Kane yes Kane took quite a hit there c'est bon c'est bon <laughs> just some, something lame like that it's just like very underplayed yeah 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 <laughs> uh, but anyway yeah we get we get this uh, fall into a car uh we get of course it's a white guy action movie you gotta have somebody swing on a rope like <laughs> it just has to happen yeah so we get to see david bell do some rope swinging from a, from like one side of the apartment building to the other it's pretty cool um and one of the nastiest bumps i saw in this movie i think it was actually just a dummy um was there's a sequence in a stairwell where it's like yes. a spiral stairwell. oh yeah, yeah, yeah good yeah. fucking god the yeah. dude that falls down the middle of that he he hits all the rails pretty great <laughs> like all the rails on the way down not the best staircase action sequence i think atomic blonde is uh pretty high up there for it's action pretty stair- high up there but this is pretty i'm like ding, clung, clung, like he's got no teeth at the bottom of the stairs basically yeah that that's a that's a project someday kyle like staircase fights the fir- the first one that comes to mind is bathroom fights We've talked mm. about this before. Oh, Henry Cavill in Mission Impossible. I love that fucking sequence. That is so good. It's so good. He's great and, in that movie. No, but we've talked about this casually before. Not really on the air, but like we floated the idea of spot, spotlighting best bathroom fights. Yeah. But I think I think there's a case to be made for best stairwell fights as Maybe well. Maybe we could we could focus it on just unconventional uh, fighting areas like staircase, bathroom. Um, I. I you know me. I, I desperately want to actually do this. Yeah. So, like, I think bathrooms is... <laughs> kitchens and bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Rumpus rooms and bathrooms. <laughs> Stairwells and bathrooms. I, I don't know if anybody out there has watched Rocco's Modern Life, but just fucking watch it. That was, pretty, that was a pretty good heifer impression. Uh, <laughs> no, this is the beaver guy. That's the He's like the Bob Vila ripoff. Oh, okay, like, okay. Rumpus rooms and bathrooms. Kitchen. You can, there are too many bathrooms. <laughs> you can never have too many bathrooms. <laughs> it's pretty great. But yeah, this dude that falls down the stairwell, oof, he is, he is most certainly dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's dead as fuck. 
Um, but it's the at the conclusion of this scene, I think we get our first wife transition. Oh, I didn't know so. That it happens a few times in this movie, and I appreciate little touches like that because, again, from a storyboarding standpoint, it shows that it's not a careless production. It shows that somebody cared enough to find the correct way or the most interesting way to stitch together all the scenes and like highlander say what you will about how engaging or unengaging that movie might be uh from a visual standpoint and from an editing standpoint some of the stuff that russell mulcahy did in that movie is pretty fucking cool um kyle has not finished that movie he just couldn't do it which one highlander see he even blacked oh, yeah. out when i brought it up yeah, <laughs> highlander no, couldn't uh, even yeah couldn't even get yeah. through it how far how far did you get i got five minutes into it the first time and then 20 minutes was into it the pro wrestling i I don't even know. I could like was it the wrestling that turned you off? Or was I, it was it the white guy sword fighting in the parking lot or what? I couldn't get I just I couldn't even start it. That's the best way to put it. Like I couldn't even get into it to what, start. Was it the Queen song? Was it the Princess of the Universe? I see I don't know. I just know that my my brain was just like we're not watching this. This is not happening. It's like that episode of Seinfeld where whenever the song Desperado comes on, the, the dude just like goes into another dimension and his mind disappears there's just there's <laughs> nothing about highlander that keeps me engaged I, I don't know what it is it just immediately shuts me down well i mean i appreciate it but i mean you'll be pleased to know it's not actually very good okay so it's okay that you don't see Highlander. i just can't even start it but you heard it here folks he's tried twice twice like, i can't ask for more than that that's a lot more than most people would bother with um, anyway, where do we go from here? So this is where I think we're introduced to Taha. Yeah, okay. So we've got our goon boss, who's just some dude. Uh, and he's just like, alright, so he took our drugs, so let's go steal his sister. So they just go kidnap his sister and bring her back. Yeah, the big boss is a character named Taha. Yeah. And he's the man in the chair that does all the blow. Yeah, he uh, does all He has some really cool scenes in this movie. <laughs> this is one of those mob bosses where he's like five foot... Like he's just like this little short dude who has power over all these huge ass guys. And he guys. has a Hugh Hefner robe. Yeah, twenty four seven. So you know he's absolutely slippers garbage. too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every, everything's silk. Odd choice. Yeah, uh, <laughs> cocaine in a robe. Uh, <laughs> usually you're gonna go do stuff. Um, but yeah, so they they still is uh, they still his sister, and then he's got like a whole like uh, just compartment with dudes in bunk beds like this has got to be like this is wwf on the road in the 90s like this has to smell like protein farts this is disgusting um and then she is she's very strange she's she looks like she's like 16 like that's what i thought i thought it was maybe like his daughter or something but it's actually his younger sister um the actress at the time was like 21 or 22 yeah uh but she, she looks just, she just looks very very young but She's going through this compartment with all these guys, and they're all like, oh, dude, we all want to bang her. And this one guy just keeps slapping her ass, and then finally the, the goon boss, A2, or K2, whatever, uh, kind of lets her off the leash for a second, and she just clocks this guy in the face. It's pretty satisfying. Pretty satisfying. <laughs> yeah, it's a, big, it's a big bald guy, and he, I think he has a comment about wanting to eat her panties. Oh, uh, he, uh, he says, I want to eat... S- something on you and she's like i'll do something else with your mouth or whatever yeah. uh put a pin in that yeah she and she gives him a good haymaker like, yeah like she knows how to throw a punch could all yeah. credit to her but i i did like the little bit of comedy when they when they kidnap her it's the most unsubtle kidnapping imaginable where she's working at a grocery store she's mm. in the middle of ringing up a customer just this like just dejected old man that just looks so partied out mm. 
and K do K two just walks in there and he just like strong arms her. Just come on, just come on. Doesn't take much. She weighs she weighs like ninety pounds. <laughs> so yeah. it's like the most unsubtle like in public, like yeah. in the middle of the day kidnapping. And then the the comedy comes from not only that gesture, but we just like cut back to the old man and he's just like. So I'm like, do Gage. I have to pay or like, <laughs> like he hasn't been rung up, but nah, um, yeah, the 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 barracks that Kyle described, good God, it was like, gross. Like the smell, like the smell. I I wouldn't be able to hang out in there, but um, we get a really cool acceleration in the action here because we have this setup where Leto's sister Lola has been abducted as a means to like draw him out because they they want his ass dead. Yeah, like he he. he he flushed all the drugs he's got to die yeah um but we have this like this fun little acceleration in the drama where instead of like spending the next 20 minutes of the movie showing how leto's gonna get in there or how he's gonna solve the problem taha's like cutting up some coke on his desk and he's like haha that'll show him and he even mentions leto by name and then he leto just batmans his way into the room like into the back end of the compound yeah like into the master's lair like totally bypassing all the all the obstacles we saw because we saw an arsenal Mm -hmm. we saw like the equivalent of like a military compound in a barracks no he just jumps into the main office in the back it's just like oh how did you get here (laughs) it's like parkour motherfucker (laughs) yeah and then they strike a deal it's like hey i'll i'm gonna let you live if you let my sister live we're like all right we have a deal and then we're just gonna leave and he's like how do you he has like a gun to his head he's like do you expect to get through here alive and he's like yeah we'll, we'll make it through um they kind of make it through this group of uh this barracks of dudes just in there and the girl stops and she starts like shimmying i'm like what the fuck is she doing she takes off her underwear and she puts it in that dude's mouth and i'm like that's not a punishment for him. Like, yeah, actually, he was asking for that. He was asking for that. Like, <laughs> oh, I'll show him. I'm going to put my underwear. I'm like, he was, that's exactly, you just, he just came. That was what he was wanting. Well, maybe the punishment is after they leave all the other dudes with the protein farts, just like tear him apart. Yeah, I was going to say, it's to like get to it. Lord of the Rings, it's like meat's back on the menu. They just <laughs> rip him apart to get the underwear back. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's like there's one pair of panties for all of us. That would have been kind of funny if they would have done that. I mean, yeah, in a different movie. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so they make it through. Is there action through here? Because he kind of, they just like walk him to the, I guess like the outsider's embassy of cops. I'm not really sure what this is supposed yeah, to be. There's a brief action sequence where they walk through the barracks. So they have Taha held at gunpoint. Uh, so Lola and Leto uh, use him uh, to, to exit the compound. And then they actually put Taha in the back of one of his own sports cars. Mm. Um, and they drive, they drive out and um, as soon as they're speeding off all the goon squad all the people from the barracks just start spraying bullets at them and one benefit of a movie of an action movie being produced in 2004 is squibs Mm. we get legitimate squibs not digital squibs we get actual pyrotechnics and it's wonderful yeah i mean actual people in danger it's like i know it i know it's probably not fun for those people but you know from from an audience standpoint it's pretty fucking cool to see those sparks go off and see a car get riddled with, you know, tiny explosive devices and whatnot. Um, so yeah, they get the car gets shot up, but uh, this is the car. This is the cop car from John Cena's The Marine. It's invincible. You can't stop it because John Cena's driving it. <laughs> well, I mean, how would you even see it? <laughs> he has the ability to turn any vehicle he's driving invisible. Um, yeah. But yeah, they pull up to a police checkpoint. 
These are all the awful cars from the Fast and the Furious. Like, the real... It's all Jesse's car. Remember Jesse has that stupid fucking car? Yeah. They're all that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think I've only seen the first Fast and the Furious exactly one time. That's all you need. And, you actually don't even need it that time. Well, I mean, that franchise has such an interesting path where it's like, I think the wave is unfortunately crested because all the all the people in it are now in their late 40s and early 50s. So they're they're just physically incapable of being cool anymore <laughs> in that way yeah. mind you like you can absolutely you can you can certainly be cool at that age but not in the sports car kind of way <laughs> like yeah. james bond can get away with that because he's fucking james bond yeah but, was, but yeah. sleeveless vin diesel I kind, can... sleeveless kind of doughy vin diesel like in the midst of a quote burgeoning music career <laughs> no yeah. um but I will say though that from when The Rock was introduced uh, to about the seventh one, Paul Walker's last film, five through seven, I quite enjoy. The other ones, mm, Tokyo Drift is okay. Tokyo Drift is fine, but it's it it's a it's its own thing. Like it's it's totally divorced from most of the other films. I'll go to my grave not seeing those, so I'll take uh, yeah, your word for uh, it. Uh, basically, if you want to epitomize like the difference, like in in our tastes in cinema. You can just point to those films. Like, Trevor likes them. Kyle's just like, they don't exist. <laughs> like, they, they, they are. There's a billion dollars in that franchise just altogether, basically. And none up. of which came from Kyle's wallet. None of it. Yeah. <laughs> Not even a red box rental. Nah. <laughs> nah. But yeah, they pull up to the police checkpoint, and we're in a stunning turn for a, a french film the police are totally ineffectual yeah they do not give a shit <laughs> they tell him to piss off yeah uh, because they're apparently closing their doors because this this district is a lawless zone mm-hmm. so the police have no presence they're not obligated to do their jobs there anymore so he brings them a known felon and drug dealer complete with a suitcase of like of heroin that probably even has his logo on it and probably his handwritten signature on the receipt <laughs> but they they won't help him well they're also thinking about like the factual part of it it's like how are we supposed to prove that this is actually that he's actually a drug dealer he's like here look at all the drugs and he's like that's still not good enough and then they get, for some reason this cop's wheels just kind of turn for a second and he's just like okay yeah we'll take him uh and then they just take him put guns on uh jed mosley <laughs> And they're like, you're under arrest, he's going to go, and they throw him in a cell, and then the drug dealer's like, yeah, I I just want to take the girl, that's all I want. And they let him. And they let him go. Yeah. Yeah, and and he, he, like, I think, close fist slugs her in the face. Yeah. Uh, It's pretty nasty. um, But yeah, Taha and Kedu walk off with Lola, and as they're leaving, he says, shoot her up with drugs and leave her in my office. Jesus. Jesus. I was like... That's pretty fucking dark for for a movie I was hoping would just be dumb, but everything done with her character, it's like it just keeps getting darker. And he, so Jed Mosley has a screaming fit, and it is like Gary Oldman finding out that the president has left Air Force One, where he's just bah! <laughs> <laughs> or it's not even words. No, it, it's a it's a Leon the professional. <laughs> It's pretty great. Yeah, um, um, and I also love the violence. Oh yeah, it's creative violence, like mm-hmm. brutal violence that it isn't shown, but we see just enough to like put the math, like do the math in your head. It's like, yeah, that's a terrible way to die. Yeah, he just broke. He just broke a police officer's neck. 
Yeah, um, but preceding that, he pulls the guy's head mm. through the cell, like through the through the bars of the prison cell. Yeah, and I'll we actually it. see that it mangles his ears. Yeah, because his head's too big. Yeah, um, most people's are. That's what they build yeah, for. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then he he jumps and he falls knees first on the back of the man's head. Yeah, that works. Yeah, that is yeah. the man's head. <laughs> Probably on the floor after that. Yeah, and then we get cut to six months later. And then we've got this crazy white, uh, white hat. I thought he was wearing a white suit, but he's got a white jacket on and a yeah. white hat. Yeah. Uh, was this guy Spanish? Uh, I think. Bear with me. I think he's supposed to be Cuban, because of the music and, okay. and the and the thing about the car. Like it's it's like a particular era of classic car that is kind of you think of cuba when you think of that that vintage of vehicle okay. and also again the music kind of has that 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 kind of feel to it gotcha um but his dialogue is very curious because he flitters back and forth between french yeah and then occasionally just like spurts of spanish it's like i know that one i, I, saying, I know that's not nice well, i know that's really not nice <laughs> i feel like so i was like are there certain french words because like uh Portuguese and Italian, you can kind of hear uh, some similarities between Spanish. Yeah, like we have yeah. a friend who's Portuguese, and she'll say things in Portuguese. I'm like, oh, that sounds like Spanish. Like, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. Um, and the same with Italian. Like you'll ca- like I'm watching The Sopranos. Yeah, you'll a, lot, catch... a lot of Romance languages have crossover to yeah. some extent, where it's like you can. I mean, we knew people from other regions. It's like none of them were speaking the same language in the same room, and yet somehow they all understood each other. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's some carryover, but no, this is distinctly like Spanish phrases where it's like, yeah. again, I I know I know some of the bad ones, and he was saying all of them. But then <laughs> the guys are speaking with a French accent, and I'm like, are they sp-? like one of them says something in Spanish, and, uh, but with a French accent, I'm like, wait, is there like some um, crossover with French and Spanish as well? I just wasn't sure if I was catching. I, I wasn't really sure with the scene, but yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> They, he's, they're walking in. He's dressing down this dude named Pedro that he's talking he's to. He's not named Pedro. He's not named Pedro. But, but he's a, the new guy, and yeah. he's incompetent. Yeah, he's incompetent. Yeah. So there's Pedro, and then there's this other dude who is just dressed up in with a cowboy hat. And he looks like Jack Nicholson in, uh, in uh, uh, fucking Mars Attacks. You know oh, how, yeah, yeah, the casino guy. Yeah, yeah. he looks like the casino guy, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So they're going into like it's like a little market, like like a little grocery store kind of thing. Um, and of course, there's a speakeasy gambling den down there, and that's yeah. I guess this guy runs that full of conveniently spaced tables and surfaces to kickflip off of. Oh yeah, yeah. and they don't look very expensive. I'm like, this is yeah, those they, look like they're made of plywood. They spared every expense putting uh, putting this together. Like not not the movie itself, but like. I was thinking this guy as a drug, like as the gambling guy, I'm like, he didn't spend a lot of money on these tables, but now that you say it, it's like, oh, no, 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 the production didn't spend a lot of money on these tables. Oh, yeah. yeah, no. <laughs> these are going in the trash later. Oh, yeah. This is the equivalent of walking into a bar in a Steven Seagal movie. It's like, oh, oh yeah. that's going to get broken. That's broken. That's, that's going to be broken. broken. <laughs> that's cardboard. That's cardboard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we head into the back office of this casino operation, this clandestine casino operation that's hidden behind a secret passageway in, in the pet food section of this grocery store. Um, and I actually kind of like that. This movie actually does have some like fun, snappy dialogue from time to time. A lot of it is not memorable, but it's quick. It's and, too quick. Like yeah. I could barely like I was holding on for dear life, like trying to read these subtitles. It's like it's, it's very going. quick. Um, but some of it actually is very cute and kind of clever. Like like here we have one of the goons who's observing the uh, the security cameras, 
and they're they're joking about you're a cop it's like you're it's like you didn't pay attention to us therefore you're a cop it's, oh, like, yeah. it's like the departed or something but he's like pointing out how like those guys are cops it's like how do we, how do you know that it's like well they've been hanging out picking up pet food for the past hour that doesn't take that long it's yeah. like, but then the 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 main goon the the owner of the place i think his name is carlos uh, he he points out that it's like oh no i know why they're here it's like why is that it's like oh because that coffee machine over there the hookers gather around it around 1 a.m and it's it's almost 1 a.m <laughs> it's like oh okay but uh they do point out that the guy manning the security cameras is like he has a joke about like he he's educated he has a degree in economics and all, oh, yeah. like everybody in the room looks to him to be the smart guy because he's been to school and it's like I'm, yeah not really i'm like we're all gangsters here i don't yeah. know what you're talking about but um i like that uh very quickly and this is to the film's benefit it doesn't lollygag uh, except in the middle it does there's no movie trevor this wasn't there wasn't enough for there to be a movie so we have to lollygag a little bit a little the middle portion of this movie unfortunately does drag some serious ass yeah. but um here we have a situation where it's like i think there i think we have a mole yeah. And instead of like having a, a tense standoff, Carlos just <laughs> starts shooting the new guy. <laughs> he just shoots the new guy right off it's the bat. Pretty, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And and um, the the Jack Nicholson from Mars Attacks looking fellow points out, it's like his name wasn't Pedro. Yeah. And it's like I don't care. He's dead. <laughs> and then yeah, the Jack Nicholson character uh, just takes off his wig and stuff, and he's like, "I'm the undercover guy." And he's like. <laughs> You play, you played saxophone at my daughter's wedding, or, or at my sister's wedding. Yeah, tough titties. I fucked her too. Twenty one Jump Street. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's, he says like the same thing. He's like, yeah, you made me wash your car for fucking six months, motherfucker. Like, I don't give a shit about you. Besides, I'm an undercover cop. This is what I'm good at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then we get we get this whole sequence here. Yeah. So this character is Damien. Uh, this is Cyril Raffali, who, as I said, is probably the person who came out of this film with the strongest reputation not a household name by any means but he's worked with the best he's a very talented individual and he has decent decent uh screen presence so we have jed mosley jed, jed mosley yeah we have jed mosley cyril raffaele may as well be coldplay cool I, <laughs> I was gonna say he i like when i saw him and then he started moving around i'm like he's been jason statham's stunt double i feel like at some point he's either been his stunt double or he's probably taken some bumps on his behalf he's, like, like he's probably been kicked in the face by jason statham he has shaken hands with jason statham i would put my life on that oh absolutely no <laughs> yeah. they've been in the same room their their careers yeah. their career paths line up perfectly yeah and i'm guessing jason statham much like steven seagal or like John Travolta has just had this whole direct DVD career of stuff that I have no idea about. Yeah, man, Jason Statham, he he is a selling point for somebody. A I lot like, of a lot of somebodies, but they're not me anymore. I like him when he's not moving around quickly, when when he's not doing action <laughs> stuff. I think he's great in Snatch. I yeah, liked him yeah. in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. That movie Spy is fucking hilarious and he's have you watched that yet? I haven't, but oh. I've heard very good things. That's a that's a good date night. If you just, you're just like a little date night, it's a fun one for everybody. For 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 uh, for everybody. Who's the headliner of that one? Uh, Melissa McCarthy. Okay, the girlfriend does like her. Oh, so, so yeah, yeah, that would work out. She's very affable. Something yes. for her, something for me. It's perfect. Because yeah. Jason Statham is fucking hilarious in that movie. No, he's he is he's very affable. He's very quick too. I do not want to see him doing action stuff though that's the thing i think he i don't know if it's his agent or his his personal taste but like his his selections like he picks 
it's kind of like the rock in that in that stretch of his career like before he became oh before like the he became down and fucking the rundown's a good one like there's walking. a lot of shit like, <laughs> like like walking tall is okay and i've the, seen the i've seen both the, the and like times. there's the gridiron gang or whatever like there's the faster movie nope. that is a fucking mess of a movie like he just he sucked like at picking movies for the longest time and it's like even today i don't think he's very good at picking movies but he's the fucking rock so it doesn't matter anymore but jason statham had a similar problem where it's just like i like you you're talented but you just picked the worst shit to be in. <laughs> Will Smith figured out how to cry on screen, and he's just like, I'm going to keep doing those. Like, where, movies where I have to do that. Like, God damn it, dude. Just be, dude, be funny again, please. <laughs> just, just be funny, so I love, I love Men in Black 3, because it was like the last little taste we got of funny Will Smith. Yeah, Will Smith, it, I, I will agree. I do think he, he is talented. Like, like he, he does have some legitimate talent as an actor, but it's just like, you know... Just have some fun, have some man. Fun, man. Just have some fun, man. <laughs> yeah, I think Ali was the beginning of the end for us. Actually, you're probably right on that. Where you got a he got a taste of that world and and the prestige that it brings and the and the feel and the feeling that you're you're enhancing the world. You're making the world a better place. Well, he did some garbage stuff like I, I know iRobot's not a big like a lot of people don't really like that. I actually kind of I actually kind of like that one uh, because he's still kind of fun in that. Like he's play, he's like being serious, but he also has his moments of humor. Uh, I am Legend. People hate that. I actually kind of like that movie a little bit. I like parts, parts of, it. of it. Yeah, same here. By the time you get to the end of that, it's like, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. 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 But there's, some, there's, some serious, there's some tense. There's some tense moments in that movie. Like, it looks nice. Yeah, it, I'll just say that. One. Yeah. And the, anyway, and the Brazilian lady's cool. Yeah, I like her. She should be in more things. Not not X Men related movies. <laughs> that that movie sucks. Have you seen that? I, the New Mutants. Oh no! I oh, I, oh it's, I, it's bad. <laughs> I remember watching Apocalypse. Is it Apocalypse? <sighs> yeah, X Men Apocalypse. That one's bad. I don't remember <laughs> a minute of that movie. Dark Phoenix is actually kind of a bump upward, but did, but Apocalypse is like laughable. Uh, yeah, I did it's not. laughable. I checked out after after a while. Yeah, now we can't talk about the director anymore. Who is that? Brian Singer. Oh yeah. No more X Men for Brian Singer. No. Anyway, yeah, Damien. Portrayed by Cyril Raffaele. He is our undercover cop. Uh, Benito is what his alias was. Uh, he reveals himself, and uh, he takes Carlos, the, the drug-dealing casino owner, captive, and he kicks out all the goons, mm-hmm. uh, so he has him hostage. And uh, they've enacted this complex uh, police sting operation where they're going to drop uh, a, a spiked platform that you would find in a super mario brothers game mm-hmm. uh, through the ceiling vent of of the back office of the casino so they, they have those on hand at the police station they just have them and they drop it through the ceiling and then they drop a winch down a winch line down there so damien knocks out carlos and he lashes the body to the winch and they the police haul him up through the vent um, but unfortunately damien uh, they can't get the line down quick enough to him so yeah. he's stuck in there and so yeah and we get to see squibs galore just to, just to simply open a door this is where our, our budget for this movie goes is, this is, is people door. shooting a fucking door yeah. <laughs> because we get to see like 300 rounds put into this door before it gets open yeah 
Um, but we get a brief action sequence um, in the back office here where Damien, he's he's a small guy, so he's able to hide in the back corner. He yeah. does a hum, human hot dog. <laughs> this is actually kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, he does a little human hot dog uh, impression. Yeah, yeah he, he's hiding behind this door. They just kind of shut it. And I actually had to giggle because he's just standing there. But he's not even like surprised. He's just standing there not moving. And the goons are like, all right, we can get out of here. We just got to take all the money. And it's a shit ton of money. And they're doing it, and this one guy just kind of has like a, a spider sense. He just like... <laughs> looks over and sees him hiding back there and he's like hey he, he's in here guys it's, is that little guy one of us yeah. oh no <laughs> and he basically is gonna have to uh punch his way out of here yeah and it's a it's a protracted action sequence it's a good it's introduction to our other main character um and yeah he just wrecks house you got your yeah you've got your uh, your like twin dragons here where it's like one guy's good at jumping and uh, doing stuff like that and then you got your more your martial arts guy here yeah and i think that actually is their legitimate skill sets mm-hmm. where where cyril raffaele actually is a uh tracer tracer uh, is what they call Parkour, 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 parkour uh, practitioners. Um, he uh, he actually does have a background in that, um, but he also has pretty extensive martial arts uh, background as well, uh, which is largely what he's used for in movies. Um, David Bell is more strictly parkour. He does have some martial arts background as well, mostly like tricking kind of stuff though. Um, he feels like I feel like he could play opposite Scott Atkins, where Scott Atkins is the bad guy. David Bell. I mean, yeah, David Bell has an innocent quality. He has an intensity, but he also has like a, an innocence to his face that, that would, I don't think it would suit him to ever be a bad guy. If you were casting um, Tekken characters and they weren't going to be any, in uh, what's J, J, um, Jinro? Jinro? What's the guy with the red pants? Not Eddie, but the, the main beefcake, our, our, our Liu Kang, basically. Uh, Jin. Jin. Yeah. I think he could have made like he could have made a good Jin. I feel like he could have been he could be one of the the Mortal Kombat characters. Like he you could cast him as somebody along in those lines. Well, it's really funny you bring that up. <laughs> so, um funny connection. Uh Cyril Raffelli, uh, not David Bell, but Cyril Raffelli um choreographed the Tekken movie. Oh, no kidding. And I want to say Pierre Morel directed it. No shit. And uh Jin in that film was portrayed by John Fu. Okay. Good name for a martial artist. John Fu. John Fu. Do you know Kung Fu? I know John Fu. He probably does Taekwondo. <laughs> taekwondo, motherfucker. <laughs> but yeah, he's a TK guy. Um, but yeah, uh, so Raffaele did the choreography for that one. And I, w- I want to say that Pierre Morel may have directed that. But, okay. but yeah, David Bell, he, he has a look to him. Actually, kind of similar to a... a not a movie that Kyle and I hold in high regard, but uh, Mortal Kombat 2021. Oh. Remember Louis Tan in that? No. I know you're talking about. Yes, I mean, yeah, he, yeah, he has, yeah. he, I mean they're, they're both. I think they're both Hoppa. Like yeah. they, they have a good look to them. Yeah. Like good, good look. <laughs> like leave it that. But, um, but yeah, David Bell probably could have done more than he he has. Yeah. But, but anyway, yeah, the sequence is just a big showcase for Cyril Raffelli putting people through tables, mm-hmm. table tables, ladders, and chairs. Man, no ladders, but but tables and ladders. Uh, all the casino props get smashed. Some of the bumps in this sequence are just disgusting. They're just like, oh my god, that man is dead. That man died three times before he hit the ground. I was um, on Reddit at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, after this sequence, it's like, where do we go from here, yeah. man? It's like, I've already seen the goods from both of the guys. I don't care what they have to say. I can accelerate. <laughs> uh, I can accelerate us through some of this. Absolutely, um, go for it. So we get um, so we get out of there. Uh, we do get the night this scene where I was like, this is uncalled for. Uh, so the bad guy's in the van. He's like, fuck you, motherfucker. And he's like, fuck you, bitch. And uh, <laughs> he's like, so it says something about his car. He's like, oh, your car? And he just fucking unloads a clip on this car i'm like you cannot do that dude that is you are a cop illegal <laughs> you cannot do that yeah, but i will i would like to pause for just a second to again point out quality filmmaking so that that sequence when he's exiting like when he's drenched in sweat and has beaten the ever-loving fuck out of 20 people he's doing his not not the wrestler stone cold but the movie stone cold where he's leaving at the end that's that's the credits he's just like walking yeah but it's him it's a tracking shot of like the camera position in front of him like walking backwards as he's leaving the place and all the cops are walking by him but he's squarely central in the frame and they're like patting him on the shoulder saying, yeah good job buddy good job. and he's just like i'm fucking, fucking tired. tired yeah but the the choreography here is really cool because it's a single continuous take and then uh, the camera starts to draw some distance between itself and him and the van just like speeds into the frame mm. and the door slides <laughs> yeah. the door doesn't even have anybody touching it just slides, slides open, open because the, it needs to because it's a fucking movie yeah. and then the guy's like on his side laying on the ground in the van the, yeah. the bitches him out it's yeah. like it's really slickly put together yeah. it's all one shot and, and the timing of it's it was probably difficult like, and they absolutely didn't have to do it that way but they did uh mission briefing yes so um we find out that we have a truck that has been stolen uh and on this truck we kind of buried the lead a little bit but there was a nuclear bomb in this truck basically and i do like the way these kids uh these kids are the ones that end up like uh, jacking it but it's they work for the the big drug dealer uh taha is that his name yeah taha yeah they go up and they start like cleaning the windshields like don't put your fucking dirty sponges on there and they just go away but they put a bomb on the side anyway they get the stuff and they basically tell them like Listen, you are, um, uh, well, I'm trying to think of, uh, oh, god damn it, Steven Seagal's name in uh, Under Siege. Casey Ryback. Casey Ryback. They're basically giving him, like, listen, you're like the Casey Ryback, you're like the best on the squad, so we're going to need you to go into this place, into this district, to get this bomb, because when the dude opened the case, it basically started. So it's a countdown, you have 23 hours from now to go in there and defuse this bomb. But the guy that they need Tim to go in with, obviously, is Jed Mosley. And Jed Mosley's in prison for presumably killing that police officer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> paralyzing him, one or the other. Either way, he's not doing well. If he, one way or another, he does not feel his legs. <laughs> if he's in there, he ain't happy. He ain't happy. So they're like, yeah. But I didn't understand this. It's like, you have to... We're going to put you in prison... And you are going to bust out of there, but you're going to lie to him about why you're there to get him to help you. But then he's going to see right through that immediately, and you're going to tell him the truth. I'm like, why not just tell him the truth? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, he a, would, it's a nuclear bomb. He would have the same motivation. <laughs> it's like when people are like, like, yeah, surgeons are cool, but some of them are like super egotistical, and they're just in it for themselves. I'm like, well, in it for themselves means they need to be 100% awesome at their job. Which you benefit from as the patient, so what the fuck does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The, the results are going to be the same. So you want him to cut you open or what? Yeah. Do you want me? I I want to be the best surgeon. Yeah, in my do you field. want him to be confident in the cutting or, or be a little sketched out by it? It's really easy. All you have to do is say, "Hey, the bad guy who has your sister 
also set off a bomb. So it has a bomb ticking right now. So in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood. So <laughs> one way or another, we have to to, to get to take care of this because your sister's going to die one way or the other. Yeah. It's, yeah. But yeah, so um, that's that's what it is, and we get we get our um, Jed Mosley in his prison cell. I guess he's going to be transferred, and he's just in there doing crunches. Oh yeah, he's he's, he's yeah, he's doing he's, some Sarah Connor shit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't like the uh, patients disrupting their room like that. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's so, so they have to buddy up basically. Yeah, um, and thankfully we don't like. I don't know, we don't linger on this particular plot point for very long at all, but it does need to be pointed out that Damien, our cop, uh, he is uh, resistant to the plan. Because like Kyle said, it's like, this doesn't add up. Yeah, like, it, right from the get-go, thankfully, he's not a complete fucking idiot. He's just, he's not like, sign me up. He's yeah. like, that's not how these operations are done. <laughs> like, no, I'm not okay with this, but it's a nuclear bomb in my backyard. I'm a good person, so I'm going to do something about it. But yeah. Um, yeah, the plan is like like Kyle said to to pose as a prisoner and then break out of prison with Jed Mosley, um, and then team up with him. And so we do get the sequence where we attempt to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Damien is thrown into the back of a truck uh, under the guise of like a quote like transfer of prisoners uh, in the back of the same truck with Jed Mosley. And then he just like seamlessly just like Gets breaks his right his out. cuffs and starts picking the lock on the back on the back door. Um, we get almost like a, like a, a little bit of a fuck you to the truck chase from Raiders of the Lost Ark. In in how simply he, he goes about doing all the major beats from that sequence, like in two seconds flat, without any sort of effort. You know, I was just thinking of the Dark Knight. I love that chase sequence. I, I anytime we chasing comes up for you, it's always Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's like truck you, chase. Yeah, truck chase. But now for me, not that it's just as it's not that it, it's as good. But that's what I think of when I think of a good truck chase is Dark Knight. I. I don't know. I like that. that it's pretty fantastic, and a lot of a lot of like vehicular stunt work and like well choreographed sequences. A lot of it involves like using every part of the animal. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you take into account like every angle and every potential gag you could get out of this particular prop in motion. And like if you look at the Dark Knight, it's like yeah, they pretty much do it all. Yeah. Like like they, I mean. They take it as far as blowing up the fucking Batmobile and turning it into a motorcycle. <laughs> Only thing I don't like about it, and it's more from a filmmaking standpoint, I I know that it's a closed set in like downtown Chicago when they're doing this, so it's just like I can like why are there? I've been to Chicago a few times. I know what downtown looks like. This <laughs> there there's no, no cars. cars on the road. <laughs> <laughs> this is a closed set. It looks like a closed set when they're doing the filming. No, not to make this. Uh, 80% Batman podcast, Andy. but um, <laughs> but I, I will point out the you one... You started it. <laughs> I know. I, it had to get out. I, it's, a stop, it's a stop valve. It had to get unleashed, otherwise it'd explode or something. You gotta put, like, a disclaimer, like, put uh, <laughs> put District B-13 and also Batman. Also Batman. <laughs> In general, just, yeah. Or maybe I should cut that out and post it separate. But anyway... Um, <laughs> By the way, this this podcast brought to you by Kyle's patented Cuban coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're I, both jacked to the tits with, gave, with caffeine I, right now. I gave I made some coffee for Trevor today, and it's like it, it's it's coffee crystal meth. So yeah, I, I noticed it during the opening part where you're just like, I can feel the back of my teeth wiggling in my throat. But oh man, it's fucked up. But the the one negative for me on the Dark Knight truck chase is the. Incidental dialogue. 
the oh Nikki Cat Air Cav. <laughs> like, yeah, but I, I think that I think we discussed this. I'm like, I feel like that's the comic book aspect of it, or like, a, like, like the we did talk about, it, yeah. but it's so it's it, Nick, it's unbearably dumb. <laughs> Nikki Cat's dialogue is what you like. You would be like reading this in a comic book. I hope you got some good moves, man. Like it, yeah. it does read like a, a speech bubble from from a comic. Yeah, it, it's that level dumb, but, but not that there's anything wrong with that. No. I, love, I used to love comic books. Yeah. I swore off them. That's a drug I don't do no more. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah, Damien is posing as a prisoner. He he quickly breaks out of his truck and in rapid fucking fire. Yeah. He like says all the things that he has to say to Jed Mosley. He's like he's like I got I'm, I know what I'm gonna do as soon as I break out of this truck. I'm gonna go like assault the compound of this bad guy. Maybe you know him. He's from this town called. B thirteen. His name's Taha, and and Jed Mosley's like, okay, he's got some chick that he just keeps drugged up. Yeah, like he's got chain. some chick kind of looks like you, drugged up in the back office. Yeah, <laughs> and like as if his motivation couldn't be any stronger. Yeah, yeah. It, basically he says all the things, all like in twenty seconds flat. <laughs> yeah, but that, but Jed is also like, uh huh, okay, mm-hmm. and then so yeah, he gets out. The guy, uh, he goes around the side, uh, pulls the dude, pulls the one dude in the passenger side out. And then this is where I'm like, I don't know if he has enough power to do this. He just kicks the driver straight out of the car door. Yeah, yeah. He, he kicks the, both the man and the door off the hinge, basically. Yeah. It's it's a little nuts, he but, but T8, it's a nice gag. Yeah, he T-800s this door. It's just like, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> we must relax. <laughs> relax! <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, he's just like, hey, you can come up here and sit with me. And he's like, okay, cool. Um, and then uh, Jed just those handcuffs on him on the steering wheel basically and it's just like i'm not fucking stupid dude i know what the fuck's happening like or i i know something's up basically like i know you're a cop yeah and i was thankful for this where it's like okay thank thankfully the filmmakers know that like this is dumb we've we've all seen this before (laughs) we're not getting that fucking fast and the furious thing where he finds out that brian is a cop as he's calling while vince is on the ground he's just like he kind of like rises up a little bit and his nose starts to quiver yeah no we don't get a grand reveal it's just like from minute one he's like he's wise to the fact that something's up with this guy he's saying all the right things too quickly um but you know 23 hour time limit so we got it we gotta go um but um jed mosley uh helps him break through doesn't really do a whole lot but he basically tells him how to enter district 13 because it, it's supposed to be closed off it's a walled off city um so they just plow they, they plow use the armored car to, to plow through like a roadblock and therefore now they're in the city but um jed mosley abandons him in the in the vehicle uh, so he leaves him handcuffed to the steering wheel and we get a brief action sequence where he totals a very nice sports car when they crash yeah. in, into b13 um, and he's accosted, Damien is, um, by a, a handful of thugs. And we get a nice little action sequence where he's using a, a steering wheel pulled off yeah. <laughs> pulled off of its housing as a like a Jackie Chan style prop to fight people. With. I was gonna say, I think I've I think I've seen Jackie Chan do that. I've, I think I've had to have been Jackie Chan using a steering wheel. Yeah. Uh, rush hour. Yeah. Because he takes his steering wheel off. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Oh, so probably lifted directly from this. I mean, a lot of a lot of parkour i would imagine is probably inspired by by jackie chan and i mean it, it does have strong ties to martial arts in general but jackie chan in particular like jackie chan jackie chan is not strictly a practitioner of martial arts he is a 
stuntman. He's a performer. Yeah. That happens to move in ways that involve hitting people. Yeah. <laughs> Which you, I guess you could call martial arts, but it's not like from a particular like martial science. It's more just the Jackie Chan school of stunt work and yeah. choreography. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of parkour draw, drew inspiration from just watching those old movies and seeing the way he moved. Yeah. Because yeah, he is. Yeah, I, I'm actually thinking of clips from movies. And again, that's very similar. Well, I mean, things like him sliding through the rungs of ladders and, and like kicking off walls and stuff. It's like, yeah. I mean, as as a youth with you know some measure of athletic ability, it's like, yeah. I mean, for fuck's sake, Kyle was inspired to learn how to do a kip up by Liu Kang uh-huh. in Paul W. S. Anderson's Mortal Kombat. I just do it. I think. Not going to because you're oh, hardwood floors. Yeah, hardwood floors, buddy. I, I I've got want, socks on, dude. I don't want nobody getting no concussions is, in this house. <laughs> that is a carpet activity. Yes, that, that's in private as well. Yeah, no, nobody, nobody, <laughs> nobody needs, needs to, to see that, that failure. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Damien breaks free, beats the shit out of some people, and uh, we cut back to Taha for a second and learn that he's a uh, he is aware that uh ted jed mosley is back in town he's like hang on what now yeah that guy who tried to kill me last time and tried to get me arrested and by the way cameo i think correct me if i'm wrong oh i was watching it <laughs> um he is watching mma yes he's watching tank Abbott beat the he is watching yeah. he's watching everybody's I, favorite murder like like murder, murder machine yes. yeah i was watching i'm like that's fucking tank Abbott. i know i know that doughy bastard yeah, yeah. former former wcw competitor oh. and ufc alum if you want Tank to see Abbott. people almost die by getting punched in the face, check out Tank Abbott's highlights. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty insane. You should it, I'd say Mike Tyson knockout highlights and then Tank Abbott's a very close second. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Check yeah. it out. Um but yeah, so there is a lot of just through here. It's so he catches up with uh the cop catches up with Jed and he gets the drop on him. He gets the handcuffs on him and he's like I think he gives him the whole spiel about what's actually going to happen, or he. this is just him convincing him to do it, or work together. There's a lot of moralistic debate about, like, but you're the man, you're a cop, I can't trust you, because there is no law in District 13. He's like, oh yeah, but it's my job to, to, to take care of people and actually be a cop in a lawless zone. And it's a lot of back and forth, like, moralistic debate and whatnot. Actually, to the film's credit, I don't remember the dialogue, because, like, I wasn't on Reddit... But I was not paying as close attention as I would to something like Funny Games. Um, but I will say the dialogue here is actually not half bad. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's like, okay, fine. So they call the bad guy. He's like, all right, well, we're going we're gonna to do this thing. And he's like, he doesn't know who he's calling yet. He's just like, who are you calling? He's like, Toha or Taha or whatever. Ta- yeah. uh, he's like, what? What the fuck are you doing? He's like... <laughs> Hey, we're right across the street. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, come get us, basically. Yeah. And the goons just come get them and then take them over to Taha's office. Yeah, K2, like, they, they tell them that they're watching Taha's office from across the way. And K2 just, like, walks in there with a bunch of goons and they apprehend them. It's like, oh, wow. I mean, the plan, like, Damien's plan was to use Jed Mosley as a diversion. So he ah. could sneak in there and disarm the bomb, but Jed Mosley was like, "Nah, I, I got this. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> this is how we do things in District 13." <laughs> and then we jibber jabber. So his sister's tied up, I think, to the uh, to the bomb upstairs. Like they've got it up on the roof, basically, and she's just like chained to that. Yeah, and this is where her her this is her subplot. Yeah, is her laying on a rooftop, um, kicking an oil can 
and trying to set herself on fire. Not a great idea. Not a great idea, and it takes an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it takes an hour of the movie for her to attempt to do that and fail, well, she, thankfully. She's been chasing the dragon for six months, dude. She's Yeah, we do see a couple of shots of her just like in zombie yeah. mode, like at Taha's feet. So like she like this is strangely dark material for an otherwise kind of silly movie. Yeah. Um, so all, as the dudes are going over there, they're like, the the drug dealer's like, hey, did you feed the, the dude that's in this... Uh, the in this, Yeti. Yeah, the Yeti. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he ate. And it's like, okay, he'll come back later. Yeah, kinda. there's, a, there's a, a large individual behind a door that uh, bears the title The Yeti. Uh, so make way for The Yeti. He'll show up in the final reel. We hope he does, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the movie doesn't forget about that. It plants the seed because Taha makes an unexpected exit earlier in the film than uh, you maybe would have expected. Uh, but thankfully, he called in the Yeti before his passing. So um, the next like 20 minutes of the movie is a bidding war over the bomb because this is how we do things in France. I guess. It's like, yeah. like this is... This, I've said this about funny games. This shit would not fly in America. No. This, the case, this is where you need Casey Ryback. It's like, no, we do not negotiate with terrorists. Well, <laughs> actually, this would happen in America because it's the bad guy not grasping the reality of the situation. You you, you have a nuclear bomb and you see the timer. He's just it, like, it's not a happy timer. He's like, it's all right. We'll be far away from here. He's like, no, you won't. You will die. Yeah, his plan, Taha's plan, is to fence the, the bomb. He's to, to sell the bomb within the next eight hours or so it's not gonna work dude no 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 i mean you need to find a buyer and like you need to get it there he's banking on the bomb not being there when it inevitably goes off it's like that's a shit plan buddy that's not a great plan (laughs) but like our heroes get into a bidding war with taha over this bomb they're attempting to purchase the bomb from him because apparently this is their first first and foremost plan for for solving the problem and we do see that the bomb is rigged up on a a launcher that looks like a leftover prop from Michael Bay's The Rock. Yep, that's exactly um, what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's ready to go, and Lola is chained underneath it. Um, and they come up with a price point of 20 million euros, um, which uh, we do have a moment where Damien calls the police commissioner, and he's like, hey, uh, so we have them ready to buy the bomb, or we have them in a position where they're willing to sell the bomb. And he's like, yeah, we can't afford that, sorry. Yep. And he just hangs up on them. So they try to... They, try to play it off as like oh the money the money is transferring it needs like half an hour the bank's not open yet uh long story short our heroes are taken back to the barracks room because apparently we couldn't afford any more sets Uh, so we just go back to one we've used previous and they improvise an escape through the toilet oh they did i didn't see how they escaped i'm like i just waited for them to escape i'm surprised you didn't look up because the techno music kicks in after it's been absent for like the past 10 minutes and that's this movie's way of letting you know it's time to watch again yeah because when people are talking it's like who cares but like when the techno music starts thumping when when you get that it's like it's time to watch again yeah Uh, so the techno music starts pumping uh as we we learn that jed mosley uh had dug an escape tunnel into Tahoe's compound that happened to be underneath his turlet. Mm. Uh, so they kick a hole through the turlet, uh, which is just opposite his office, and they leave through this tunnel underneath the building. Um, and this is an interesting moment, because this is where there's a, a, a unexpected turn for Taha's character, where um, he he does not get the $20 million, uh, because nobody was able to give it to him, but he gave his account number over the phone 
over the like he's buying something online or like yeah. he's ordering food or something. He gave his account number to the to the French police, and somehow they hack his accounts to like all sif- of- siphon all of his funds. Yeah, he find yeah he they find this out and the accountant explains to so him like you have absolutely no money in front of all of his goons and they are all armed to the teeth. And he's already killed one of the goons for failing. He just, like, unloaded his gun. Yeah, we've seen that's a habit of his. He, yeah. He does that when he's mad. It's kind of funny. It, uh, is, it is kind of funny. Well, yeah. Uh, and they're just like, well, if you don't have any money, how are you supposed to pay us this week? And he tries to shoot him <laughs> again, but he, yeah, he doesn't have any uh, guns. And he's just like, A2 or K2, whatever, uh, give me your gun. He's just like, nah. He just turns around and they just blast him <laughs> yeah just blow him away um so he's no longer like he doesn't matter anymore. oh yeah he, he is dead uh he gets murphied as i call it as mm. in as in robocop yeah um by the way i i love this beat where when he's frustrated about his money being taken the accountant very casually tells him like you're cleaned out buddy yeah um he has he has a scarface-esque pile of cocaine on his desk and yeah. he he pops it. it and it yeah. puffs up in this big cloud and the accountant's just like well he should have taken some on the gums and then walked out. Well, he's like, well, I guess this shirt's now $9,000. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, well, I but do he, like the accountant just, like, leaving without anyone touching him. Yeah. Like, he walks out like a boss. Yeah. Uh, he does say that we have a bunch of money downstairs. And he's like, well, there's a bunch of money downstairs. Your goons are the ones with money. Oh, guns. Your goons are the ones with guns. It's like, you have no purpose anymore. So, yeah. see ya. Yeah, and you're the smallest guy in the room too. Yeah, easily. And you have no bullet. You have no. Just <laughs> like you, you have no hand. I'm sorry. Yeah, and then we get um, some parkour and some running. Yeah, uh, we get to see both our heroes in action here. So they're on the run, and uh, by the way, K2 is now the acting de, de yeah. facto leader. Like they just look to him to be like, he's got the biggest head. So yeah, he's, he's got an Oliver Platt noggin. That's yeah, for sure. Pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, we get some really cool parkour gags here. Uh, we get to see people negotiating the terrain and kicking off cars and whatnot. There's a really awesome stunt where both of our heroes are airborne in slow motion simultaneously. Like a car is coming at them and they jump over it and it accidentally T-bones a car in front of them and mm-hmm. they, they both like kick off of it in midair. It's a really wonderfully captured moment. Um, but yeah, it's basically cars versus humans here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're also like outrunning cars that according to the soundtrack are like speeding so yeah 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 and and all credit to these guys like you can tell the athleticism is there they probably move very very fast but they're also very very low to the ground (laughs) like this is very short legs so it's like maybe it's the tom cruise effect where it's like i don't know how fast he actually is but god damn he looks fast yeah <laughs> well he has an intense face when he's running yeah it's <laughs> yeah, yeah he has a toby mcguire action face <laughs> so you don't want to see that at night like before bed that's that's the stuff Terrifying. of nightmares he was like fucking gremlin yeah. and then they get captured again yep yep they get captured again <laughs> and then they have to fight the yeti yeah so k2 captures them again after all that running after yeah. all that parkouring uh they are captured once again. So they're reunited, but they're also captured. And now, remind, to remind the viewer, they, they do have a ticking clock here. And also, Lola is again trying to immolate herself. Yes. <laughs> this is her mission for the rest of the movie, is trying to set herself alight. Yeah. Um, but K2 learns of the situation with the bomb, and he 
acknowledges I'm, I'm just the guy with the biggest head like yeah. like i i don't know how to solve this problem so you guys go fucking fix it like i don't want to die today mm-hmm. uh, and so they head to where the bomb is being housed and we get our boss fight um <laughs> in the form of the aforementioned yeti um who i forget the name of the actor but apparently he's a former basketball player turned pro wrestler whose weight fluctuated between 300 and 450 pounds he's 400 pounds in this he has to be 400 pounds oh yeah movie. this looked like his 450 fades like he he went full super saiyan for this film um, but apparently he was smaller at one point but then he got bigger and i think smaller again he, he would he would go back and forth um but this guy is a good challenge he's a stiff challenge for our heroes that we get to have like each of our heroes have a go at him one-on-one um, as is customary that's the best way to go about that so you get to see everybody's talents on full display and then of course they end with the two of them teaming up to take him out but we yeah. get to see cyril take some nasty bumps he gets power bombed like taking full advantage of of the guy's former pro wrestling experience like he, uh-huh. he legitimately power bombs him onto a stack of bricks i know they're probably foam bricks but yeah. good good fucking god if you want to murder somebody that's yeah. that is a tasty way to go about it um and then uh, Jed Mosley jumps in after Cyril, after Damien is just power bombed onto a stack of bricks. I can't emphasize enough. And uh, he uh, he at ats him. He at at walkers him. Like think the Battle of Hoth. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he takes a wire and he he he, he corrals him with yeah. his wire and he he like entwines all of his limbs so he mobilizes him and the the coup de gras uh, comes in the form of uh, Cyril Raffelli jumping off the top rope yeah uh, with a cinder block yes on top of the head it's fucking fantastic a foam cinder block uh, yes. yeah. foam it crumbles cinder block. <laughs> i was looking at the way it crumbled i'm like that wasn't a cinder block yeah but it's it's a good finishing move for a, a guy that size i mean again tony jaw is probably the master of dismantling oversized individuals um but this is a this is fine this, this does the job just fine uh yeah and they get out of there and now we got to go do bomb stuff and this took way longer than I thought it was was going to. The the whole like about to shut off the bomb, we have to call and get the code for the bomb, and then the last bit of the code is B thirteen, and it's like Jed ends up stopping him before he turns off the bomb. He's like, "You dumb motherfucker!" <laughs> like they're sending you in here to actually detonate the bomb, and I'm just like, "Huh? What's going on now?" Yeah, uh, to. Uh... <laughs> To make a reference that you won't understand, maybe your brother will. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. um, the battle with Frieza, uh, infamously uh, in the manga, uh, the last stanza of that like extraordinarily long fight is: "We have five minutes before the planet explodes." In the manga, you know the number of pages translates to you know believably five minutes. In the in the show, we have like. Five, six, maybe seven, 25 minute episodes dedicated to those five minutes. Mm. Um, that That is what happens here. We have like, we got five minutes to dismantle the bomb. Let's punch each other for eight. <laughs> because that's what happens. It's kind of like that, I don't know if you remember Monty Python or the Holy Grail, where he he's supposed to be coming up over the hill and it keeps going back to him just coming up over the hill. <laughs> like, what's going on? He just it, it just keeps he just doing came loop. Yeah. He keeps can't quite crest the hill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's just like, yeah, they sent you in here to detonate the bomb and they have to fight about that. Yes. Yeah, he's and, like, you know, I 
I don't know if you needed this. I I needed this. Mm. I needed some good hands thrown uh, between two guys of roughly the same size. Because... I just want to thank y'all for <laughs> sacrificing your bodies to this. <laughs> Kyle has his head on the breakfast uh, bar right now. The crying wrestling fan, folks, look it up. <laughs> Still real to me. It's still real to me. Damn it! <laughs> As Matt's, Matt's had to have seen that. Oh, oh Matt was probably the first person to oh, show me that. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for fuck's sake, he he runs a wrestling podcast. <laughs> like, come on now, like that's part of your street cred. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You got to know that. Jeez, but but yeah, our heroes uh, turn against each other because Damien wants to do his do what he he wants to follow orders. Because mm. he calls the the policeman Kluger, Kluger, a uh, Kruger, <laughs> America, yeah, Kruger, goddammit. Yeah. Uh, he calls him and he's given the code to deactivate it. And Jed Mosley points out that, wait a second, those numbers sound quite a bit like the district numbers. And oh yeah, it ends with B thirteen, where we are. Yeah. So he's wise to the fact that oh yeah, and the the first words uttered over on the other end of the of the phone are. Where are you exactly? <laughs> like, are you with the bomb? Like, yeah. and, and very quickly hangs up. And so they have a big fist fight here on the rooftop. It's actually pretty, pretty nice. Again, mm. it's weird because like the intricacy of the choreography is not to the highest standard. Like it's 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 good enough. It's it's not amazing. It's not mind blowing. It's not. There's not a whole lot of movements here that we have never seen before, but the enthusiasm uh, exhibited by the people taking these falls and mm-hmm. these flips is not to be discounted. Like, these guys seriously beat the shit out of each other, and it, it's kind of cool to watch. But in terms of, like, intricacy of the martial arts, it's like it's nothing super fancy, but they take good bumps, so I have to give them credit for that. We get a jingle all the way uh, bomb scare here where... <laughs> He, he manages to convince him. We're just like, we're going to let this thing tick down. And he's like, oh, fuck it, okay, we're just going to do it. It's like him throwing the package, and it just doesn't, it doesn't explode. So it just, it goes, boop. Yes. And it just, and it's it's done with. And it's yeah. like, fuck, he was right. You also get uh, the movie punching above its weight and making a Holocaust reference. Oh, I didn't catch the... It, it's it's alluded to. It's not stated. What, what is it? What is it? Um... The two heroes are grappling with each other and beating the shit out of each other, and in the midst of it, uh, Damien's like, hang on, you mean they're going to blow up how many million of their own people to, to quote, solve a problem of a problem district? And Jed Mosley retorts with, like, well, they killed six million before. The government was okay with that before. It's like, which government? Which people? Oh. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) So basically he's saying there's precedent for, like, really bad shit. You mean our neighbors? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, those guys. guys. (laughs) Those guys with their compound words (laughs) that stretch on for 40 characters and are intensely precise. Um, But yeah, uh, also, Lola gets a... She interjects. Like, she does actually get involved. By the way, there's a not very good green screen shot. I I get what they're trying to do. It's clever. It's just the the technology wasn't there. The talent wasn't there. So we get this moment where we've been watching her. We've been cutting back to her mm-hmm. between all of the action for the past half hour. And this woman, for, despite her best effort, she just cannot set herself on fire. Mm-mm. Like she, She's trying her best. Trying hard. She's trying real hard. Yeah. She just can't get it done. Mm-hmm. But she finally succeeds in striking a match and trying to throw it onto this gas that's under her. And 
um, when Jed Mosley gets to the roof, uh, we actually get this sh- shot of of a match in flight in his hand. Catches, yeah. catches it before it touches the gas, which I'm pretty sure it would have ignited from the fumes, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it, it's not a very well put together shot, but in theory, it's a good idea. But she, she gets involved in the fight. Um, she helps out her brother, and she does have a pretty good line here where it's like, I would prefer to die for my brother's dumb ideas rather than yours. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like acknowledging, like, nobody's brilliant here, but, but he's my brother. <laughs> but yeah, the, the bomb counts down and nothing happens. Nothing happens. Yeah, and then we get our uh, hot mic moment where we uh, we go in. Uh, I think it is it just the cop or is it both of them or all of them? Uh, it's just the two dudes, two I think. Dudes. I think it's our, it's our Jed Mosley and Coldplay. Yeah. Carrying the bomb. Yeah, so they carry the bomb into the office, and the guy, I guess, does the spiel. Oh, good work doing this. And he's just like, motherfucker, you were sending us in there to set this bomb off. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I like that they do play dumb to begin with. Or just, it's like, it's really convenient that, you know, like, I couldn't remember the code, but, like, thankfully, Jed Mosley could. And it's like, you want us to, like, show you how we did it? Like, how we plugged in the numbers? No! He's like, no, for the love of God, don't! No. <laughs> Mon dieu! No. <laughs> Merde! <laughs> Basically, the, the spiel is is that he's like, yeah, I was sending you in there. It's like, this place is gross. We needed to fucking take it out. It's pretty nasty. It was the easiest way for us to do it. Um, but now, I guess it'll be okay now that it didn't happen. Yeah, this is a little bit of class commentary from the film. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, like, you know problem districts like this ghettos and whatnot they exist but you can't be ignored they, you know these problems need to be addressed and the, the movie here is taking it to such an extreme where it's like this is this is the french government solution is these people are a burden therefore totally vaporizing them is probably the best thing for all the taxpayers in yeah. fact he does explicitly mention the taxpayers and there's that really awesome line that sounds even better in french it's like he, he the bad guy here Kruger uh, he has this this rant he goes on but he he tops it off with it's not very democratic but it solves all problems <laughs> but again it sounds so much more lovely in French but it's a really awesome bad guy line because yeah. <laughs> he says it super casually <laughs> yeah, I mean it's the same it's the same logic as fucking uh, Thanos it's just like hey the galaxy's too big so we gotta get rid of half the people weird comic book reference that again you won't get but i'm curious what your thoughts are so remember in infinity war how how his his plan was this is this is for the greater good yeah i'm i'm the hero of this story yeah in the comics he did that because he really 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 wanted to bone death the the embodiment of death like the the physical manifestation of the force of death itself she hot skeleton in a purple robe i mean that's pretty Oh. Yeah, I mean, you know who you are. <laughs> I mean, if that's what you're into, bro. I mean, he's purple. Like he, she got purple robe. Hey, maybe he's power bottom. I don't know. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I'm curious. Like what? What? <laughs> like I, I know why they didn't do that for the movie because it would have been way more in- interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the grand reveal after two hours and forty five minutes of, of this character. It's like, yeah, I really, I really want to 
Because you know, I want to fuck a skeleton. Because you know Thanos' <laughs> dick is terrifying. <laughs> just, it's got to be, enor- like, just proportionate. Like, it's got to be, you know. I mean, you know enormous. those, like, vaguely pineapple-esque fruit that he was picking at the end of that movie? I'm pretty sure he's like, uh, it looks yeah. like, <laughs> it's yeah. like bears of resemblance. It's the size of Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have been more interesting. It would have made the movie more interesting for sure. <laughs> Uh, anyway yeah so anyway they get him admitting this on uh film they've got a hot mic in there they've got the uh broadcast and it's being broadcast live by the way so all of france can see this yes like a harp from hell yeah so he's fucked yes and uh, he was attempting to play this stinking city like a harp from hell (laughs) i like a good hot mic uh hot mic gag It, it usually plays out pretty well i like it better when when uh, Michael Keaton's there, or Michael goes there to the, the CD. <laughs> ah, Batman Returns, folks. Look mm. it up. It's my favorite Batman. That's fair. This is a Batman podcast. This now. is a Batman podcast now. Thank you for joining us for catching up on Batman. Uh, but yeah, the the epilogue of the story is uh, the uh, the Kruger character obviously is ousted from his office. Um, and it seems like a mega happy ending, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we get the mega happy, happy ending and a little bit of the Scooby-Doo it's ending a, as well. It's a bad... This this movie actually kind of reminded me of a Bad Boys movie. It has a Michael Bay feel to it. Like, the energy to it. Yeah. Oh, man. It, you know what really, like, doesn't get enough credit for Bad Boys is um, the score. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I know. Oh, I've seen Bad Boys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It, yeah. Your your household strikes me as a Bad oh, Boys we household. Were, we, I've seen Martin, ba- Martin Lawrence in general. I, I bet was a big. Hit. He he was uh, for some reason. Not nothing. I don't like Martin Lawrence particularly, but nothing but trouble is one of the greatest nineties. I mean, I've seen I've seen Black Knight. I've, I've, oh, I've seen I've seen all of his buddy cop movies. Big from Mama's the 90s. House. Yeah, big I watched Mama's, a lot. Of I've big seen Mom. Big Mama's House. He did get a lot of play in our house, but Bad Boys and Bad Boys Two those were on a loop for a while yeah i even seen the one he did with uh, the guy from that thing you do steve zahn oh yeah that one wasn't very good i love steve zahn um, i do too he, he's nice yeah he seems like a cool guy yeah he's very funny yeah. uh, if you haven't seen it watch strange wilderness that's pretty i have not but i've oof. heard that i think you told me about that before i think it might be on prime you could probably find it pretty easily it's, oh, it's a good yeah, time okay. um what were we talking about? <laughs> uh, the ending of the movie, Bad Boys. Oh, so it was like a Bad Boys ending. Yeah. So it's just like, uh, we're going to go our separate ways. He's like, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to stay here and be 13, you know, try to turn things around. We got, you know, try to clean this thing out a little bit. Like, you still got a lot of goons, but okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe if you can, tr- I think he can turn K2. I think he can probably like get him to turn good because he kind of lets them go. Uh, oh yeah, K2 says you got five minutes, but you're welcome to leave. You might be able to, you might be able to help. Yeah. You might be able to help. Uh, but yeah, so he's just like, well, we should probably like exchange numbers and like keep in touch. He's like, nah, you know, I gotta go do my own thing. And then his sister uh, runs up and kisses him, and he's like, he'll come over for dinner. Very, very bad boys ass. Yeah, very bad boys two. I think it's bad boys one. That's where he handcuffs them together ah, at the okay. end. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember bad boys one as much. For some reason, I remember I the it. bad. Well, you know, Chucky Kyle, Cario. Kyle, it's the only good one. Yeah, Chucky Cario. Chucky Cario. He's yeah. in that one as well. Um. <laughs> It's the only good one. Like, it's like honestly, it's not a good franchise. It's a good movie. Uh, the Bad Boys Two is fun because it's still fun. It's fun, Will Smith. It's it's not a good movie, but a great, great Joe Joey Pantalon. Yeah, uh, Joe, Joey Pants is good, in it, but but his his outburst. Fuck! Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> his, his screaming. And the Pepto. 
the, um, the ecstasy scene that that scene's a lot of fun yeah, yeah. No, it, it has its moments it, has it, it just reaches too far like it goes too big they go to it, fucking cuba dude yeah <laughs> it, it reminds me of uh, once upon a time in mexico where it's oh. just like yeah. This this was fine until you made it a, a quote epic. Yeah, like basically, it, I don't say this very often, but when Johnny Depp comes on the screen, you're like, okay, let's just do this. Mm, is done. Well, Willem Dafoe to me, like I, I don't even remember where he's in that. Exactly, Jesus. It's like, do we need Willem Dafoe in brownface? I don't think so. But he's here, to... and now he's in the movie. Honestly, <laughs> we don't need anybody in brownface. Really. No, 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 no. We don't need that. But again, yeah, this movie ends like. Like your average buddy cop movie, yeah, with a lady in between it. But um, yeah, it, it's bullshit. You can be mine. It, yeah. It, <laughs> um, yeah, it has a pretty happy ending. I don't actually know <laughs> nor care what the plot of the sequel, of no, District Thirteen Ultimatum, uh, is. But you know, I, I got just enough from this movie that I'd be curious what four or five years of you know camera technology and, and editing technology and advan- advancement could bring to to a production like this because parkour is cool to watch on film yeah oh. and a lot of a lot of its ability to look its best on film comes in the form of how you're able to frame the action because mm-hmm. um, we're not there live watching it we're seeing it through the, through the lens of a camera uh, so i might actually go out of my way to watch that sequel I have no interest in watching Brick Mansions, especially since we get Paul Walker instead of Cyril Raffaelli, and I know for a fact he doesn't do parkour. No. So what the fuck is the point? <laughs> and again, the RZA as our final boss? Nah. No. Sorry, no. Nah. The, the RZA is not the Yeti. The no. Yeti, if you will. That, that's a deep cut reference that wrestling fans out there will get. Kyle obviously doesn't, but it nah. doesn't matter. It's for me. Anyway, that was uh, District 13 uh, from Pierre Morel. Um, I believe it was from the year 2004. Um, yeah, this old this is just a chapter two in our uh, Not Made in America series. So Kyle will have the picks uh, the pick next time out. Uh, do you want to announce what you're going to be picking now, or uh, yeah. hold off until? I'll tell him it's going to be uh, Insomnia from 1997. Uh, I believe it's a Swedish production. I can't remember if it's. Danish, Swedish, one of those Scandinavian countries. Yeah, it's like Swedish or Finnish or something. Yeah. It might be Finnish. I don't know. But either way, uh, it was adapted for American cinema in the form of a Christopher Nolan's uh, remake of the same name. Oh, I didn't realize it was Chris Nolan. It's his first theatrical feature, if memory serves. Interesting. Yeah, good, uh, good Robin Williams. And actually, um, digestible Al Pacino. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have I have not seen either version of the film, shockingly enough. I, I'm surprised I haven't seen the Nolan one, even by accident, because that seems like something I would have done by now. But yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that one. I just needed a break to watch something stupid. Uh, so this uh, mission accomplished, because yes. this movie was thoroughly stupid, but kind of cool. Um, anyway, uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. You can also find us on the social medias, on the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. And the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google it. Google it. And that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.
By the way, this coffee hits like a fucking truck. I'm probably going to shit my pants. I'm probably going to shit my pants at Scarecrow. (laughs) You want to do that before you get to Scarecrow, because they will not let you use the bathroom.